Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Hey, welcome in on this Thursday morning, broadcasting live from the DriveHubler.com studios. It is the Wake Up Call. KB and Andy, Mark Dykton hanging out with us. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. It is a Thursday. And KB, let's be honest right now. If your gifts haven't arrived via Amazon, you may not get them. How, how, many, how many times are you refreshing Internet Explorer right now? I'm over here frantically. <laughs> So last night, headed to the basement to do some rapping, oh, and it's good, just, good, good. Um, it is absolutely pathetic, the geometry that I try to attempt in putting together Man, wrapping paper on these presents. I, I have absolutely no skill when it comes to uh, to wrapping presents. So. There, there's nothing I do worse in life. <laughs> nothing. 34 years on this earth, there is no task that I do worse than attempting to wrap a present. I will, can we put a poll question up? Is there anything you do worse in your life no, than wrapping a, a Christmas nothing. present? Because I feel the same way. Uh, we got you here for the next three hours, obviously, up until 10 o'clock more today. Bags. I'm more of a oh, bag yeah. guy. Oh, yeah. Throw it in a bag, put that little paper around it that costs Maddie four or five dollars. a little more sentimental when I actually wrap <laughs> yeah. the gift. The so bag is a total I, I, cop-out. Gosh, uh, it is. Which we could get to. Pacers win last night. The Colts get some, I mean, I think good news. Yes. Encouraging oh, news. Shane, yeah. Shane Steichen talks about the suspensions levied a couple days ago. A good morning to you guys. Pacers win. They needed the slump buster. They got the slump buster last night. Yeah, the Pacers beat Stink. And they haven't beat Stink Often this season, uh, Charlotte's not very good, especially without LaMelo Ball. They're not very good. Um, Tyrese Halliburton, a little bit of a slow start again. I know he's not happy with the turnover number still, but uh, he played much better. Didn't see any lineup changes. Nope. I know that was obviously something that we talked about. Were you, were you surprised? I, well, I was surprised a little bit, I was a to little be quite bit, honest. Just because Carlisle mentioned it like three times publicly. But if you go back to Carlisle with us on Tuesday, Andy, I thought he kind of toned it back a little bit. He was super aggressive Monday. And talking about it, I thought he kind of toned it back with us on Tuesday. Now, after practice uh, Tuesday, he still mentioned that's something he would sleep on, but stuck with that starting lineup. Uh, and boy, how nice would it just have like Jalen Smith back? I, I I don't know. Maybe I'm putting too much stock into like an eight minute uh, stint for him, but I thought he played really well in the first half as the Pacers kind of built that lead that they were in full control of the rest of the way. Great night for the bench unit. And it's a little thing, Andy, but it matters for tonight. You didn't have a single player play more than 29 no. minutes. And Buddy, you, 26. Halliburton, 28. Turner, 25. You feel great about and it. And when you're getting yep. on a plane and you're going to Memphis and the Pacers were very honest post game, it's going to be a raucous environment tonight in Memphis as John Morant plays his first home game of the season. Um, it, it's kind of crazy when you look at the record. I think Memphis is 7-18 and 18 and they're a five-point favorite. Again, don't, get, the, don't fall in the trap of like, Wait, wait a minute, something's not adding up here. This is Memphis with John Morant. And so um, it's going to be quite the challenge. I assume that's a Bruce Brown assignment. But uh, again, much, much needed for the Pacers just to take a breath, regroup, get a win, beat some stink, get the slump buster, and now uh, hit the over. Back to- <laughs> hit the Hopefully over. everyone's enjoying the overs. Check, I told you check, guys. Check all those boxes check all, there. Check all the boxes. The fact that they didn't have to play anyone big minutes. Buddy talked about that after the, the game. played in the fourth. Uh, yeah, Maybe and, like you know, the first minute or two. And, you know, and Jalen didn't play in the second half. I don't believe eight minutes in, in that first half. You got to spread it around. No, I mean, what you're saying, what seven bench guys play. You have 12 guys play as a whole. To me, you need to go out. You need to win. You need to feel 
better about yourself. They talked about, you know, a little bit of a better you know, defensive effort. I thought Buddy got back into uh, kind of out of his shooting slump a little bit more. I thought you saw some confidence there. Carlisle was actually talking after the game so much about his defense, and we'll hear from that as well. So the Pacers win last night, 144-113. Uh, all good there. And now, I mean, this is a fun game in Memphis. I don't think there's the big back-to-back excuse just because of the game last night. It was never in doubt. You use that game more as a better practice, right, to feel better about yourself. So we'll dive into that. Should we bring extra security tonight? Well, okay, I was going to make the joke. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're gonna, you're going to have to pass through the metal detector three, four Couple times. extra <laughs> IMPD officers <laughs> making this trip. A couple maybe. different times. Have you ever been down... Uh, you know, Beale Street's down there. Have you ever have spent any time Memphis. in Memphis? Never really been close to Memphis, to be honest with you. My well, my stops in Tennessee, uh, a lot of Nashville. A lot of Nashville. Uh, obviously Knoxville. A little Knoxville. That's about it. Yeah, that's about it. A lot of people don't go to the western part of the state. I, I had family down there, so I've been in now, that area former, quite a bit. Mark, we had a former producer with Josh Molinex. His parents had Memphis Grizzlies season tickets, yeah, right? Uh-huh. Oh yeah, yep. I know about seven people who have season ticket packages. Now this probably is probably to the Grizzlies. You know, to a lot of local fans, this is a fun team to watch because of all the Indiana connections. Oh sure, Jaron Jackson Jr. Of course, Desmond Bain, uh, Jake Laravia comes off the bench. John Conchar from Fort Wayne, I believe, is kind of like a fringe, uh, you know, rotation guy. So, um, yeah, amidst all the off-court drama, and you know, I kind of forget that like Marcus Smart is on the Grizzlies. He's injured right now. Doesn't sound like he's going to play, but well, he was one of their um, big pickups. He was right. he was going to keep Adam suffers that he, big injury. He was going to keep Ja on the uh, straight and narrow, I believe. Wasn't that Marcus he was the job more, after twenty five games? I, I guess I can say this after last night, another incident for him. I guess he was the saner Dylan Brooks. Oh, by far, yeah, better. No, Dylan Brooks is well. uh, on a different planet than right. the rest of us. Saw another little, <laughs> you know what, shot by Dylan Brooks. Oh no, did he have night. another one last yeah, night? Yeah, another one. Did he make it look accidental like Draymond like, used to before he stopped doing that and just I, started punching people? I think the refs are onto his. Uh, yeah, you think yeah. so? Flagrant one you, you for think, Dylan Brooks. You think so? Well, it's interesting night. they did bring him into a young team, but we don't need to do Houston Rockets <laughs> next Tuesday. Colt, or, uh, Pacers and Rockets. Hey, right, there you go. So Pacers winners last night, one forty-four, one thirteen. Let's dive also here in this first segment. We'll get to some Rick Carlisle sound in the check down. I thought great news yesterday. Now, there's still some hurdles here. Jonathan Taylor participated, uh, would have, uh, you know, in the in the walkthrough yesterday. Now it's about finding out if he can hang on to the football. But this is good news. This is not what we saw uh, yesterday. This is not what we saw last week, obviously. And then Michael Pittman, again, we know how the protocol works here. It's going to take some time today, tomorrow. These are going to be big days. But he was quote-unquote, limited yesterday, which is better than just totally being out. So I think not bad if you're a Colts fan, especially if you get Jonathan Taylor back. I think it's fair to say on Thursday morning, Andy, there is a legit chance the Colts have both Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman. And you feel full for the first time since? Yeah. Yeah. Several weeks, a month. To your point, you know, for Pittman, it's okay, now you're into a practice. As you said, yesterday was a walkthrough, today's a practice, tomorrow's a practice. You know, we've seen Ryan Kelly, unfortunately, several times this season get to this point in the protocol. He practices, and then he's deemed not ready. So, again, Michael Pittman's still going to obviously have to get exposed a little bit to contact and practice and see how he responds to that. And then for Jonathan Taylor, uh, you know, for the first time in three weeks, he participated in anything. You know, walkthrough was yesterday. 
Um, but, you know, with this injury, uh, this is going to take a, yeah, you, I mean, I would assume you want guys slapping at him a little bit. I mean, don't you want a little bit of, hey, let's test out that thumb. <laughs> I'd rather test it out, you know, behind a fence at West 56th Street than test it out. Do they have the pads where they, they sure. smack him oh, against yeah. them like in basketball? They put right. the broomsticks up for guys. I, I'd like to see him, you know, if he's going to cough it up, cough it up on a Thursday afternoon. Don't cough it up on a Sunday uh, down in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So, uh, again, the expectation is Taylor and Pittman will both practice today. Um, on the flip side of it, we didn't see Zach Moss. A little bit of a you know, wrap brace on that right arm of his. Braden Smith continues to be absent. And you know, I asked Shane Sykin during the uh, presser yesterday, I'm like, uh, any more reps for Matt Gay this week? Or, like, you know, do you do anything differently right. with kickers? You know, do you treat yeah. a slumping kicker in a different manner? And Shane's like, no. <laughs> And then he says, like, another couple words that I couldn't really understand him. I think he was like, no, he's fine. He'll be fine. And I'm like, gosh, that was, like, extra short for Shane Steichen. Yeah. I'm like, you know, and I just kind of sit there, and I'm like, whatever. It's not the first time. And so then I'm like, maybe there's more there. Well, sure enough, Matt Gay is on the injury report uh, as he did not participate or would not have participated with a right hip injury. Um, This is the first time because, you know, I asked Shane earlier in the week, is it physical or mental? Shane says, I don't have a great answer for that right now. Well, clearly there is some physical ailment that Matt Gay is dealing with. Now, as we sit here at 7.09 on Thursday morning, Andy, he's the only kicker you yeah, got. Yeah, they haven't worked out anybody. He's the only kicker yet. you got on your 53-man well, roster. They have to bring in somebody, don't they? He's your only kicker you've got on the practice squad. So you would think if there is like legit concern here, they would have brought in a kicker by now and just put him on the practice squad. I mean, you got 16 spots on your practice squad, and then if you need... Uh, that guy on Sunday, you would call him up. So just something to watch, something to monitor, because, you know, anytime a kicker starts missing kicks, you know, oftentimes we go to, is there an injury question? Is there, what what is wrong here? Um, and it's taken a while, but I guess there is a little bit of an ailment with Matt Gay. No, I think it's a huge story. Number one, there's well, this is the only take-tack. There's no, like if a linebacker gets hurt, we saw running backs get injured on Sunday. Zach Moss goes down. Michael Pittman goes down. Well, they have backups. KB, there is no backup. I mean, I've seen this probably three or four times. I mean, if you're in a close game with Atlanta and the punter or during halftime, you're bringing out guys who were soccer players in high school to see if they can kick. That the Texans Gi- running back, wasn't the, that the guy well, that the made Texans a field Texans running back, the Giants ran into that last week in New Orleans. Now it didn't matter. They got blown off the field, and it worked out for the Texans. They won their game, but... Uh, it is worth it. No, it's it's an absolute conversation piece. And then yesterday as well was the first time that Shane Steichen publicly has talked about the suspensions to Isaiah McKenzie and Tony Brown. We were listening to the sound this morning. I think the only thing that's kind of worth playing here, give us clip two, Mark. This is Steichen yesterday. Uh, he was asked if it bothers him. Obviously, he's not giving specifics. Does it bother Steichen that this is all happening with three games to go middle of the season? Yeah, I think everything's case by case. You know, there's certain things that happen on football teams. Uh, but again, there's going to be a standard set around here and people are going to be held accountable. The most popular line he had yesterday, obviously wouldn't get into detail, Andy, was the, there's a standard, people are going to be held accountable. I think I'm in unison with everybody out there that nods their head at that. Uh, Fans love Um, that stuff. You know, I talked about it, you know, back in the, I guess this time last year. Okay, what are your prerequisites for the next head coach? Uh, Offensive mind and someone that's going to be willing to not only preach accountability, but act upon it. And, you know, when I think of accountability, Andy, it's not just... Dude breaks curfew, 
all of a sudden I enforce my rules. It's also accountability on the field. And again, we have seen that. We've seen it with Deion Jackson. We've seen it with Daryl Baker Jr. We've seen it with Shaq Leonard. Whether you were intentionally trying to be accountable or not, when you bench a guy who has earned some sort of playing time, that sends a message. Guys notice that in the locker room. So, um, you know, certainly he checks both those boxes. That was a question that I threw to him of, again, seven suspensions since June. That is a jarring number. Like, if you were to throw out a headline, the Colts have now had seven suspensions since June. That is an astonishing number for the NFL, for one team. Uh, Shane, you know, actually, what? what? Like, you know, seven? (laughs) Um, Now, what does he say there to start off that answer? Case by case. And he's right. Which is true. Because, again, there's a lot of context that I want to make sure we acknowledge around this. They've had seven. Tony Brown, Isaiah McKenzie are two of them. Two more of them are the PED guys, the two defensive linemen, Grover Stewart, Alkanee Muhammad. Two more of them would fall in the gambling category, Isaiah Rogers and Rashad Berry. Uh, then the other one is Chris Lamonts. He was with Alvin Kamara in Vegas in that, you know, I don't know the exact phrase. Fight, I beat down. Up, like yeah. Physical violence, what, however you want to label it, batter. I, I, I don't know what the exact term was uh, that ended up happening there, but... Um, all of these guys have gotten at least three games, too. I mean, that's a big number. You know, it's not like uh, one game without pay or, you know, two games without pay. Um, you know, three games is a good amount. And obviously, some of these acts occurred, you know, prior to Steichen being the head coach. I guess, you know, if you want to get technical, everything's under Chris Bauer's watch. But, I, you know, I would assume Rashad Berry probably committed those gambling acts as a Jaguar, and then the Colts signed him. Chris Lamonts was a free agent. Granted, the Colts knew about this incident. And, and signed him as well. So, again, there, there's context around it, um, but uh, still an open roster spot. And like we talked about a little bit yesterday, Andy, I, I just think it thins your depth. If you want to talk about on the field, uh, it means Kenny Moore and Josh Downs, who are already very important players, they can't get hurt. Let me be like, I, I have no idea where the Colts would go at either spot if that guy were to get hurt. I guess I just feel like, you know, with what they've been able to do offensively, they could plug somebody in. I view I view Tony Brown. I, I don't have anything against McKenzie. I'm just not as high on him. I don't know if anyone is. You know, Tony Brown playing over 70% of the snaps uh, there on special teams and a guy that can play and has played at times this season on defense and getting snaps there on the defensive side of the ball. To me, he's the, I don't want to say the more valuable one, but to me, if there was one that's like, hey, we missed a little bit of something on Sunday in Atlanta to me, it would be him just because he's playing your special team's plays. I mean, he is. Tony Brown is a part uh, of that package. And they but, have had issues there the last couple weeks. Yeah, they have. So, uh, Carlisle stuff, we'll get to that in the check down. Obviously, Shane Steichen for the first time uh, speaking yesterday. Now, to set up the show as well, James Boyd from the Athletic Colts Insider going to join us coming up at 8 o'clock. Scott Agnes, 8.30. And Josh Kendall, you guys had him on. He's from the Athletic as Wasn't well. Was he a Pittsburgh Pirate or is that Jason Kendall? <laughs> <laughs> that was Jason. boy. That Jason. was Jason Ken- Kendall. Okay. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, Jason K- Kendall did not use batting gloves. Am I right? I, there was something I, I was trying. Was he the dude that peed on his hands, or was that Ooh, no? That's Moises Alou, I think. <laughs> uh, should Max Bowen try that trick? He's already trying it at times. Likes to dip his hand into the toilet. Oh, oh. yeah. Uh-huh. Like Max, A little grab is bag it, action. Is that, <laughs> come on now. <laughs> Like, grab back. Is that something I'm going to have to worry about in well, 13 months or so? I, I don't really know a way to avoid it, per se. I mean, maybe you don't have a kid that's interested in urine uh, or just the 
allure of a toilet there. Uh, James Boyd was over at uh, Riley Hospital earlier this week. Anthony Richardson made an appearance there, so we'll chat with James specifically about those Anthony Richardson comments. Uh, One note, by the way, the NFL upheld the season ending, or I guess the regular season ending, suspension for DeMonte Casey, the one that hit Michael Pittman, the repeat offender there. Another question Shane Sykin did not want to answer yesterday. Was this a repeat repeated offense for Tony Brown or Isaiah McKenzie? Uh, In a busy night in hoops, we'll have the back-to-backers on Big Ten Network. That'll be Purdue, 6.30, first time in Mackey in 17 days, and then Indiana uh, we'll see if they can finally have a stress-free game. They are at 8.30 with North Alabama. And obviously the Pacers in action back-to-back in Memphis. Thank you for joining us on this Thursday morning. I'm Kevin Bowen. He's Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykedom on the ones and twos. Thank you for spending this morning with us. It is the Wake Up Call. KB and Andy on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Yeah, let's get your morning check down popping. 144-113 in Gamebridge last night. Pacers over the Hornets. A lot's been made the last couple days with the losing streak. Would Rick Carlisle change up the starting lineup? He did not. He went with the normal starting five. He talked about that in more postgame. I thought our practice yesterday was very positive. They're, our starting group is doing a lot of good things. In many ways, they're one of our best lineups. To break it up simply just to break it up, to me, did not make sense. But going forward, everything's on the table. And we've got to watch it very closely. I mean, I pulled four guys at once at the end of the third quarter because we didn't seem to have the right spirit. And the starters went back in there, got the got it up over 22, whatever it was. Uh, those guys went back in there, and, and they got it right. A lineup shakeup isn't always changing the starting lineup. You know, sometimes you got to pull the plug on a whole group and make a hockey substitution, which I don't like because it's, you know, it's just, it's no fun. It's no fun if you're the coach. Uh, it's no fun if you're one of the players. A couple things that stand out from last night, Andy. 37 assists on 49 made field goals. That is a huge, huge number there. Um, Tyrese Halliburton, a little bit of a slow start. 6 of 14 from the floor, 3 of 9 from 3, 13 assists. I know he was still frustrated by the four turnovers for him, uh, but better from him. Again, Buddy Heald got out of a shooting slump. And the bench, I know Rick mentioned there at one point he went back to the starters, but I thought the reserves were really good. Uh, Jalen Smith, nice to see him back in the lineup. Neesmith had 19, Matherin at 14, um, Isaiah Jackson at 10, TJ McConnell was TJ McConnell, nearly had a double-double, so really a pretty balanced night. Miles Turner, very strong first half. And again, a little bit of a different Turner from Friday. Remember Friday the Wizards? No great big guy. He doesn't assert himself. Last night, Charlotte's missing their starting center. Miles asserted himself a little bit more early in the game. So in Memphis right now, it is an 8 o'clock tip tonight against John Morant in his first home game. It should be raucous uh, for that one. Five-point favorite, the Grizzlies, as the Pacers have it back. You know what I thought last night, just quickly on this game? Uh, I, I like Brandon Miller a good amount. I thought he was fun to watch at Alabama. I know all the off-the-court stuff. Listen, I, I understand it. Um, I was sad. I'm like, oh, yeah, Brandon Miller's on this very random and very sad Hornets team. <laughs> they're just He's going to rot they're just there? a sad team. I mean, I know they don't have LaMelo Ball. I mean, like, I get it. Uh, it's not like they would go from 7-19 and 19 to 19-7 and seven if they had him. But I like him as a player, Miller. And I just got – I was just thinking, man, if he could have got drafted about 9 
nine other places. He would be a fun guy, but he's just going to be 15 a game with the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah. What a sad team. Charlotte, a place you go to Ooh. just rot. Uh, it is a pretty promising Colts injury report, I would say, on this Thursday morning. And just a walkthrough yesterday. First practice coming today for the Colts, but the expectation is Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman Jr. will both practice in some capacity. And for Pittman, that is an important step as he tries to progress through the concussion protocol. Um, He was listed as limited yesterday. Taylor, for the first time in three weeks, he was listed as full. So again, there are certainly boxes to be checked in practice for both of these guys. Pittman, it's more of, again, how does he react just from a concussion standpoint to a practice setting. For Taylor, it's, okay, how does that right thumb injury hold up from a ball security pass protection standpoint? That's the good news. On the flip side of it, guys that did not participate or would not have participated includes Matt Gay, right hip injury for the Colts kicker there. Would you rather have a bad left hip or bad right hip as a right-footed kicker? Uh, I think I would rather have a bad left no, no, you'd have to. Yeah, you'd have to so go you, with left. That means your plant leg. You I don't know. Plant so which one? a little bit more on the left. Yeah. You swing a little bit more at the right. I want my swinging leg to work just fine. Like it's like if I'm a pitcher, if I'm a right-handed pitcher, I want my right. I want my right hand to stay safe. Do you understand? I want. That, I, I don't that's know my if I money, do understand. That's my money. That's my money maker, Kevin Bowen. <laughs> I want. I want that one to be good to go. Uh, so we'll continue to monitor that's that. That's a again. big story, Loki. No kicker, uh, you know, on the practice squad or anything like that. So Matt Gay at this point, I mean, he's going to be the kicker. I'm trying to think back to that Baltimore game a few years ago when Rigoberto Sanchez got hurt in warm-ups, and that was a disastrous kicking night for the Colts. And that one, Braden Smith continues to be out. So I You think God. he plays again this season? Gosh, is that I, a stupid thing to ask? I mean, again, wouldn't you just put him on IR? But I, I don't know. Are we looking? Is this game four potentially for him? I, mean, I, don't I, know. I think it's just one of those things where they didn't think it was going to take this long. And we've done this dance for, what, three weeks? At least two well, weeks in a row. We've done it we've with done this. Braden earlier sure. in the season as well. So, again, first practice day for the Colts. Do want to go over some playoff scenarios here in a bit. Just exactly what it looks like for this team in the final three weeks of the season. A couple of key things to point out about that. Thursday Night Football, Saints and Rams. This one in LA, it's a big one. Both teams 7-7. Seven and seven. Uh, Right now, if you're looking at it, the Saints out of the playoffs. Obviously, they're in a tie there with Tampa Bay for the four seed in the NFC South. And then the Rams, the last few weeks, man, what? I mean, was it four in a row? I mean, they've worked themselves back into the playoffs. Maybe reminds you a little bit of the Colts. They're 7-7. Seven and seven. They would be the seven seed tonight. That one, 8-15. Al Michael on Prime Video. Rams favored by 4KB. You're over under 46 and a half tonight. So Rams have the final playoff spot, right? They, the NFC right they now? They do right now. And the Saints are just, uh, what, ninth? They're so. hanging on. The Rams have won four out of five. The only loss, a six-point loss in Baltimore. So a lot of seven. You know, in the AFC, we have the the eight and six teams. In the NFC, it's the seven, seven and seven, and seven teams. teams fighting for one of those final wildcard spots. So Rams and Saints tonight, Thursday night football. <laughs> Opposite that, it'll be a lot of college basketball here in the state of Indiana uh, at 6.30 tonight up at Mackey for the first time since playing Iowa uh, in that uh, Big Ten home opener. It'll be Purdue taking on Jacksonville. I saw Jacksonville was 8-4. and four. I'm like, oh, that's a pretty good record. I saw they were a 30.5-point underdog. <laughs> and Pittsburgh beat them by 50. Yeah, they're coming off wins against UofL, Monroe, and Trinity Baptist. 
Trinity Baptist sounds like just a great high school football team, don't it's, they? Well, Trinity Baptist. I don't know. 4A. It sounds like one of those fake high school football teams <laughs> that I'd watch lose to IMG. By what, what was the name of the of the one that Bishop Sycamore uh-huh, that made right. ESPN and everything else? Kurt Not Signetti having players. Should hire that coach he down in Bloomington. Speaking of Bloomington, eight thirty tonight, North Alabama. Obviously, the Hoosiers have not really sniffed a stress free game yet this year. I guess Auburn maybe was stress free, just in the opposite. Manner, uh, IU favored a thirteen and a half. On that one, uh, I don't have I don't have a good way to tell you. I guess tentatively, I would take. I, I don't know why. I guess I feel like I would take Indiana in this one. But again, I I don't feel confident in in telling you. Hey, go bet the mortgage, bet the Christmas money on Indiana minus the points tonight. Yeah, that's I, a big spread no, for them. I want presents under the tree. Yeah. I'm gonna stay away from that one. North Alabama plays a bunch of dudes. They're not really big. Seems like they do chuck a lot of threes. Do you which, remember the nickname for their school? Probably. It was it Lions? Yes, it was. <laughs> oh, I like that. What's Jacksonville? The Dolphins? Oh, I should know this. They're in the A Sun. They are the Dolphins. You had to have looked. You looked that up. I, you look that up. There's no way that anyone knows they're the Jacksonville Dolphins. I feel like that was a Jake Query <laughs> dropped that on <laughs> me at some really. point, and it's really he probably went to college with somebody who's a roommate of the uh, head he, coach he might or have something. Gone to Jacksonville with the amount of colleges that Jake Query went to. And his by the way, I saw we got the company wide email yesterday of someone that lost a uh, their oh, key boy. card with a Kansas lanyard. That had to have been Jake, right? Oh, it had to be right. Or I mean, there's a lot of right? engin- there's a lot of engineers around here now. How many people have a Kansas land wow, in Indianapolis? It's a great point. Yeah, it's not me. I can tell. I can tell you that. If it it's not Jim, then those two need to get to lunch or something. Oh, exactly. They need to go watch a game or something. Thousand percent. All right. On the other side, Colts playoff scenarios. Again, Anthony Richardson spoke earlier this week. James Boyd was there. He's going to join us coming up at eight o'clock. Good Thursday morning to you. Uh, we don't have windows in the studio, but I imagine it's cold and I imagine it's still dark outside and I don't think there's precipitation in the air. Safe travels on commutes this holiday season. Thank you for tuning in. Wake up call. KB and Andy, 93.5, The Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You know, I got thinking about it. I'll bring it to air. Uh, I got thinking about telling Mark tomorrow we compile a list of all the Christmas songs people loathe, all the ones that people hate, and we play those on Friday. <laughs> Boy, that's that's <laughs> a way to send people to like cheer. Ah, you like on that? This Friday, but we don't tell anybody. They're like, why are they playing? This is the worst song. Are Mariah there Carey songs again? People hate. Oh yeah, they hate them, especially Mariah Carey. Don't people hate her? Don't people oh, hate I, her? I, I don't know. It's, it's always top of the pretty, charts this time of year. She's pretty yeah. easy on the eyes to me. Uh, yeah. In her 50s, is she not? Uh, yeah, Mariah Carey? Right. I don't know why I just backed that up with her age. I feel like you just left that out there for me, and I had to do something with it. I'm uh, trying to get over your Scrooge comments You like there. that? Uh, it would have been funny. Too, I, I think Andy just kind of led you there, but uh, we'll not have shows the next two Mondays. Um, so Correct. For those curious, I, I would like to think that you know our dedicated listening audience, uh, Christmas morning, uh, as much as I'd like to think they would dial us up at 7 a.m., I would say some bigger things to worry about. Go, so. go enjoy your families yes, for a couple uh, days. Christmas Day, New Year's Day, we'll be off, but back at it coming up on Tuesday. Mariah Carey's 54, by the way. Yeah. I, I believe, as the kids her. would say, or maybe you know, the kids more in my age group, uh, she can still get it, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> easy, Kev. <laughs>
funny. <laughs> well, the kids aren't awake, uh, Mark. It's 738. He can um, say that. He can say it. I just I'm, I like it. We're, we're Surprising. With them. I'm kind of stunned by that. He kind of like, you, you hit me with a stun gun. Well, it's, a, it's a nice compliment. It, I, well, unfortunately, I think there's a, a lot compliment. of kids probably in the cars right now heading to school. <laughs> You're right. If they're still in school. No. Yeah, well, if they are, they shouldn't be. What are you watching, Elf, today? Uh, James Boyd going to join us from The Athletic. We'll talk with him. He was out there. Anthony Richardson, a bunch of Colts players were out there. By the way, I should mention, I started writing it down, and then yesterday I saw like six different, I mean, between the Colts and the Pacers, it seems like every player is doing something good for the community. Yeah, and I started uh-huh. writing them down, but I got that I, that I saw another one last night, that I saw two more this yeah. morning. Uh, so I know the news yeah, stations. Coach Drive, Lloyd oh, Pierce sure. earlier this week, shopping with the Colts, Zaire Franklin. I mean, Halliburton. Halliburton. But, but, but even yeah. like, you know, role players that you don't know a lot are out there doing something. So uh, not naming all of them, I'll forget somebody. It's like thanking a bunch of people. You know you'll forget, but the Colts, Pacers, I'm well, sure and, and let others me just throw, throughout the... If, if I can, yeah, let me sure. just throw one more thing on that front. Anthony Richardson at Riley Hospital earlier this week. There are a couple other Colts. I want to single out Wesley French, Liam Anderson. My sister-in-law is a nurse at Riley, and she texted me. It was like, Wesley French was absolutely outstanding. Oh, that's with, great. With our patients. That's great. And, you know, I, I think it goes without saying, but, you know, I went up to Wesley yesterday in the locker room. I was like, dude, thank you. Like, I, I know you're not Richardson, and you obviously don't have the cameras around you. Right. But, um, you know, it just, it, it's incredible what a little bit of presence and for those kids, what they're going through, especially this time of year, what they have done to kind of brighten their spirits. So thank you to certainly the Colts, the Pacers, and a lot of people behind the scenes this time of year that go uh, out of their way. Above, to, above and beyond, listen, as, put a smile on as, those kids as someone who's back and forth in an I, uh, ICU for several weeks in and out of a hospital for a month here in Indianapolis, uh, it, it's those those are sad places. Yeah. Th- those mm-hmm. are at times grim, grim places. And so, uh, yeah, it's great for all those guys around the community, men and women, uh, doing such great work. Again, James Boyd will join us 8 o'clock. Scott Agnes will talk some Falcons football. Josh Kendall at about 9 o'clock. Pop quiz later on today at as well. Now you you've you've we've talked about this. You've wrote about this on 1075thefan.com. Playoff scenarios for the Colts. Do Every, we have nerd number audio I, I, marked I'm, I'm, I'm for re- this? I'm ready for it. Give me the nerd number. Okay. I'm gonna get my All cheat right. sheet out here. So Hang we on. got three weeks to go in the season, okay? <laughs> the Colts could go three and oh, make the playoffs, obviously. They could go 0 and three, not make the playoffs. So those are the two that we don't need to talk about. Six scenarios in between that. Obviously, they could go two and one under three different situations. They could go one and two under three different situations. If we talked about ties, I would be divorced. So we're, we are not <laughs> talking about ties. I did not have time to look that up. Although we almost got one. I know. Wh- which was, Titans. We, we were minutes away from all of us having to look up or rely on you know an NFL insider on the internet to tell us what a tie between Tennessee and Houston would have done to everything last week. Maddie was, uh, we were watching that game, Maddie's like, what, what do you want or what do we want here like, in this I don't know. situation? I go, anything but a tie. <laughs> because that would make my head hurt. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you. two and one, all right? And you're pulling out a lot of papers well, here. Are you crunching numbers, well, too? No, I mean, I, I had a cheat sheet, but I can't oh, find okay. it. And the, the reason I have all these numbers, you know, they're moving our desk from oh, yeah, I forgot floor, I do that today. floor six to four. And I have very few personal items, but I just had some some papers and in, in a, in a couple different things. And so I stuffed them in my backpack. All right, so if the go Colts ahead. go two and one down the stretch, let's start with the best playoff chances. That would be a two and one mark of a loss on Sunday to Atlanta, but then coming back and beating the Raiders and Texans. If they do that, loss to Atlanta, beat the Raiders, beat the Texans, playoff chances, 
94%. If they win on Sunday, lose to the Raiders next week, but then beat the Texans in week 18, 87%. So, you know, a, a loss on Sunday is not the end of the world. Now, if you reverse it and go win over the Falcons, win over the Raiders, but lose to the Texans, now you're around a coin flip, Andy, 54%. Mm-hmm. So, and, and you'll really be watching to see what Houston does right, big right, time. Right. So the next you two are weeks. basically under a 2-1 and one scenario. If one of the two wins is Houston, you're north of 85%. If the one loss is Houston, now you're down to a coin flip. If you look at the 1-2 and two records to end the season, um, if you beat the Falcons on Sunday but then lose it home to the Raiders, lose it home to the Texans, Playoff odds, 3%. If you lose to the Falcons, beat the Raiders, lose to the Texans, that number jumps up to 11. And if you go loss, loss, but beat Houston, that number is 26%. So the 1-2 and two mark obviously puts your playoff chances relatively low. You know, Think at the highest, 26%. If you go 2-1, and one, you've got a very good chance to make the playoffs, especially if that win is over Houston. So um, I will repeat myself for the umpteenth time and we'll do it again next week and certainly the week after that. That Texans game, Andy, there is a, right now, it's a 60% swing in playoff chances for the final game of the season. 79% of the Colts win that game, 19% if they lose it. I, I have, in looking up playoff scenarios for years, I, unbelievable. I, I have not seen a game that holds that type of magnitude to it all. So, Again, this is an article form on 107.5 The Fan. It's probably a little easier on the eyes with that. Uh, but basically, Mariah Carey. It's easier on the eyes. <laughs> Look at that. Look Full you, circle. We there. weaved it in. Kevin Bowen's article can get it at 107.5 The Fan. <laughs> take out the Shane Steichen uh, picture and put Mariah Carey. <laughs> Been good in for the clicks. I, I think the thing that makes the most sense here, the question will be. If the question would be if Houston loses to the Browns on Sunday a little bit, right? And it, and but, for me, it's but like not what, as much as you would okay, think. Well, that that was okay. So that's my question then because, to you. I'm not asking you to have those right. numbers, but that's the first thing that comes to mind is they will be without C.J. Stroud on Sunday. They'll be at home, but Cleveland is a better team, and the tech. I just I feel like Cleveland's defense will not let a backup quarterback like Case Keenum or David Mills off the hook the way that Tennessee did in that second half. Okay, let's continue to nerd out under that yeah, hypothetical, let's do it. all right? So you have Houston losing to Cleveland. I mean, I on guess, yeah. Sunday, which is very yeah, plausible. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not but, saying that you know to undermine you by any means. Okay, so that means Colts beat the Falcons, 9-6. and six. Texans, 8-7. and seven. Now let's go to next week. Colts have the Raiders. Let's say the Colts beat the Raiders. They're right. 10 and 6. Texans Under, have Tennessee again. This let's is in, say in, the in Texans Houston. beat the Titans. Okay, yeah. So now I they're would. 9 and 7. So now we come into the final game of the season. You've got 10 and 6 Colts, 9 and 7 Texans. If the Texans beat you in your own building, two teams with the same record. And you split during you the split season. Split the two matchups. <laughs> and I believe your divisional record would be the exact same as well. So now you get into the next tiebreakers, and I think I mentioned this a little bit earlier in the week. As of right now, the Texans would win that tiebreaker over the Colts due to strength of victory. That is why Houston would be above Indianapolis. So if you're looking at it, 
basically this Sunday with Cleveland. I mean, it matters because if all of a sudden Houston doesn't beat Tennessee next week, right, right. now they're done. It now sets up a situation where Week 18 doesn't mean right. everything. Now right. they're two two games behind. Boy, that's that's unbelievable. Into, the season finale. So, again, this is why, if you look at all these metrics, the game with Houston is just so monumental. Now, one thing I do want to make sure that we uh, let our audience know, Andy, is obviously the AFC South door is still ajar. And in simplest terms, you know, basically I've just explained how the Colts need to finish ahead of Houston. With Jacksonville, in simplest terms, it's this. Have a better record in the final three weeks than the Jags. Right. Right. And they're at Tampa Bay, home Carolina, at Tennessee. So again, to me, Jacksonville, they win this weekend. To me, the AFC South then is not something we talk about nearly as much. But if they lose this weekend. Yeah, they have the tiebreakers over Indy and Houston. So you don't want to have the same record as Jacksonville. But if you end the year, and right now everybody's 8-6. If you end the year with the better record, so in the final three weeks... You know, whatever. You go three and zero, they go two and one. You know, you go two and one, they go one and two. You get in. Uh, Trevor Lawrence did not practice yesterday, right? No, I mean, there's a great chance so CJ, he's going to be CJ Beathard. I mean, at some point, CJ Trevor Lawrence practice. can't keep scraping himself off the yesterday. field. You get a concussion, you miss a week, unless you're TJ Watt. I mean, we are looking at Case Keenum for Houston and CJ Beathard for Jacksonville. It's unbelievable in you know very meaningful games. That that. That Tennessee Titans second half, the Titans have been good to the Colts this year. You have beat them twice. You have discarded the bully in uh, in Mike Vrabel. But you really needed them not to play in the second half the way they did, right? I mean, if if the Texans lose that game, this conversation changes quite a bit. Quite a bit. Um, so, I mean, I, listen, two again, 2-1, two and one, if they lose to Atlanta, but they beat the Raiders and Texans, there is a 94% chance of the Colts making the playoffs. Stu- this is probably a stupid question. What do you think happens? What do you think Houston does, specifically them? I, I just, I can't be totally sold on Houston, especially with his C.J. Stroud situation, Andy, now lasting a second week. I mean, it looks like he's going to miss a second game due to it's serious. a concussion. Yeah, that's serious. And if you look around him, they've lost a lot of key guys offensively, particularly in their wide-out core. Um, so I, I, I think the Colts get in. Um, I do. You know, if you look at Houston, you know, all these scenarios with Houston, Andy, if you beat the Texans... There's three different scenarios where you beat Houston. I guess four. Your playoff odds are 100%, 94%, 87%, and 26%. If you beat Houston, three of the four scenarios are great for are north of yeah, 85% you're gonna make it, right. making the postseason. Just kind of one more layer on that. Um, if And you know we're all kind of in this boat, even though the Colts are in full control of what they need to do. From a scoreboard watching standpoint, Saturday's got two games of note. Uh, you've got Bengals and Steelers at 4.30 on Saturday. That is a cheer for the Mason Rudolphs. Cheer for Rudolph this time of year. Goes without saying. Uh, that is at Pittsburgh there. Uh, Jamar Chase is very iffy, right? 
Uh, he's not going to play. I, I think he's going to miss a week. By the way, Browning goes in there and wins that game. Dude's going to be a cult hero, Build man. the statue next uh, to Joe I Burrow. I mean, he is going to be a cult hero. He so really is. That is the 4.30 Saturday game, the 8 o'clock Saturday game. It's the biggest spread here of the week. Yeah, you don't have a chance in this game. That will be the... Uh, you, you don't believe in a six-hour flight potentially hurting them? No, no? I don't believe so. The Bills are going to wipe the Chargers up. Yeah, aren't they? Come on. The Chargers are done. The Bills are a 12-point favorite at the Easton Stick-led Chargers. Uh, we'll see how the fighting, and I guess it's not Brandon Staley. I don't even know who the hell their interim coach is. I got to give Buffalo. North Turner, I gotta Marty give, Schottenheimer. I got to give Buffalo credit. You know, they lost that heartbreaker to the Eagles, and I and I thought they were done. I, I put dirt on their grave, and they came back, went to Kansas City and won, then came home and dominated the Cowboys, and I didn't think they would make it simply because of Eagles- Chiefs, Cowboys, right in a row. They won two out of the three of those games. And now they get the Chargers and Patriots. You got to think those are wins. And then we'll see what Miami will be at the end of the year. Uh, Buffalo was on the precipice of, of being impressive to me. I thought they were dead. I left them for dead two, three weeks ago. So scoreboard watching again. You want Steelers over Bengals Saturday. You would like Chargers over Bills Saturday nights. You look at Sunday. Colts and Falcons are at 1 o'clock. Uh, also at one is Browns Texans. I think at this point you and I are in the same no, boat. That's a big year for the Browns. Like just let them yeah, it's a big game. get a wild card spot because they have a head to head. The Jags play at four o'clock, so that'll be four o five at Tampa there in a big one, and that pretty much covers all the important playoff stuff for the Colts here in Week Six. Chargers interim coach, by the way, is named Giff Smith. Is <laughs> it Giff name. or Jiff? Who? <laughs> It's great. It's great debate. Uh, Sounds like a coach at like Coastal Carolina. Yeah, but I also feel like the, GIFF. I think the three guys in this room watch a lot of football. KB, you've been following the Colts for how long? 10, 11, 12 years, whatever it is, maybe longer. I don't want to short you in any way. We have no idea who Giff Smith is. And I watch a ton of football, college, Mark, please look up his NFL. Bio. I mean, this in all seriousness. See if he's a real guy. He was Kurt, good for him. He, he before taking over Brandon Staley, he was the outside linebackers coach for the uh, the Chargers. You know, it is interesting with these interim head coaches, and obviously Jeff Saturday is the true outlier. It seems like when teams fire the head coach in season, they don't like to promote the offensive or defensive coordinator. They're they're very much like, no, no, no. We need to keep that, those spots in place. Didn't Carolina promote the special teams guy? I believe so. Yeah, Chris Tabor. That's interesting. I yeah, I, I had not thought of that. Giff or Jeff has been with the uh, San Diego slash Los Angeles Chargers since 2016. Oh wow! So now he's a holdover. A, that's a fitting name because there's no better social media team in the NFL than the Chargers. Yeah. Oh, they're fantastic. They are outstanding. Schedule release and everything they, they like that. They troll themselves. They troll other teams. <laughs> if if Brandon Staley could have matched his social team, he'd be Lombardi or Belichick. Uh, can you play? Let's play this clip too again. We have a couple minutes here. Shane Steichen yesterday talking about the McKenzie and Tony Brown suspension. Then I have a thought. Yeah, I think everything's case by case. You know, there's certain things that happen on football teams. Uh, but again, there's going to be a standard set around here and people are going to be held accountable. We have James Boyd in seven minutes. And I just wanted to throw this out here uh, b- before we have him on. I think the reason Shane Steichen should win coach of the year is it's difficult, KB, to, I don't know, to to be, I guess to be a hard ass, to be the bad cop at times. And he has cleaned up the Colts with guys respecting him. Like, if you think of a Bill Belichick disciple, they go in and they're a hard ass and they try to clean things up, but guys don't like them. 
Guys don't respect them. And Steichen has both of those things. He has cleaned, he has punished guys, right? He has had that press conference three times this season, at least, right? Of accountability, maybe four times if you go back to cutting a guy like Deion Jackson. And I just got thinking about it as, you know, as these guys like, as the team and winning goes into this, as the team likes Shane Steichen, he is also able to play, hey, I'm the good cop here. He was the good cop with some of the Jonathan Taylor stuff and getting him signed and other things this season. And and he's been able to be the bad cop of, no, 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 there's going to be accountability. And then the guys that are doing the right thing look at it, you know look at it and say, this is the way we need to be led. There's so many coaches that have to clean up something when you go to a franchise that is in disarray, kind of like the Colts were. And he's done it. That's why I think he is coach of the year. Yeah, to me, D'Amico Ryan gets probably some of that as well. Uh, I, I, I want to... Th- provide a little bit of context around the headline because the headline is juicy. Seven Colts suspension since June. Now, five of the seven, Andy, Shane Steichen had no say on. Five of the seven were, right. were league-issued suspensions. So the only time he's really played bad cop off the field is this one. Now, obviously, this is a Well, immense. maybe Deion Jackson, but you know no, what I... Off you know the field. What, okay, off, gotcha. Off yeah. the field. On the field, he's played bad cop, which again, I, that to me stands out more to me. Uh, not just Deion Jackson. Again, I'll go back to the Shaq Leonard thing. I mean, that is a big-time move that the Colts made, and it was the right move. Have you seen Shaq Leonard play for Philly? It's ugly. It's not good. Yeah. So um, that, to me, is what stands out more than just the Tony Brown, Isaiah McKenzie. You know, Grover Stewart, al Muhammad, Isaiah Rogers, all those other suspensions, those are NFL-issued, league-wide, gambling, PEDs, domestic violence. You know, like, the, 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 those are different. Um, so... That is, I guess, what is a little bit different to me with this one. The other name I would throw on that coach of the year list, I think you have to throw Kevin Stefanski no, there's no on that doubt. list. Those are the three. To the, me, it's the three. And the Sean fact McVay, that you've maybe. won, you know, four different. You've had four different quarterbacks win games for you this year. I saw the stat: six of their nine wins are against teams above 500, the most in the NFL. That would be the other name. I would what a throw swing on there, and a miss that Matt Ryan's not on the call for this game. Colts Falcons. Yeah, I know. I, I would think if you were He's Matt shooting. Ryan. It, well, uh, unfortunately, I, I know it's on it, Fox. It, it's a Fox game. Yeah. It, it's it's Adam Amin and Mark Schlereth. Is that right? Yes. Ah, stink. It's a man right there. It's a football man. I just want to throw that out there because Steichen is, he's cleaned things up, but he has done so in a way that players follow him. He hasn't done so to where they hate him and it's right. out of fear or it's out of, you know, just because he's the head coach. He, he, he is leading them and also cleaning things up and winning games and doing all of that. And not every coach succeeds in that. Well, and Ashley points this out. You know, he also, you know, little thing. Well, I guess not a little thing if you're Michael Pittman. You know, he find Michael Pittman for missing a sure. weigh-in during sure. training camp. I mean, again, there is a, this goes back to the coaching search. It's time that West 56th Street got accountable. And Shane Steichen has brought that unquestionably on and off the field, which I think both of those are extremely important. All right, on the other side, James Boyd. He caught up with Anthony Richardson earlier this week. We'll chat with him about it. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Appreciate James Boyd joining us last segment. You miss any of him, any of our number one. Check it out, Podcast Center 1075thefan.com. We'll get back to the Colts discussion here in a little bit. Reminder, Josh Kendall, Falcons insider, beat reporter, will join us coming up in the 9 o'clock hour as 
well. Pacers winners last night back in action tonight in Memphis. That one's 7.30, our pregame, 8 o'clock tip-off right here on The Fan. And to talk about that and much more, Scott Agnes joins us, Fieldhouse Files. He does so on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Scott, good morning. Happy holidays. How are you, my man? Hey, I'm doing well. Good to be on with you this morning. Yeah, well, thank you uh, for waking up with us. Uh, you wrote in your piece, basically, Carlisle put out a uh, a very public notice, if you will, on, hey, you guys are going to have to start playing defense. And we thought for even the last couple days, maybe there would be a change to that starting lineup, I guess. What did you make of last night's win? And then on top of it, were you surprised that Carlisle didn't switch up the starting lineup at all? I didn't know exactly what changes he was hinting at, right? Nobody, those weren't exactly obvious. And so that was one of the, those, that's the most public and obvious one, though, for everybody to see to start a game, right? And so um, there's a variety of ways you can go through, and he hasn't been glued to it um, like so many coaches have been in the past. So uh, that was the first thing you were looking for, uh, for certain, after they mixed up lineups. Uh, Rick said at practice the other day and and just tried to kind of get back to things. Tyrese talked about how, you know, it was, was kind of like a training camp practice. You're doing some fundamental basic starter stuff that you usually don't need to or don't get to uh, get into here uh, throughout the regular season. And I looked it up. I think according to my records, that was the first practice the Pacers had on their home court since – uh, I think it was November 29th before they went to Miami for a pair of weekend uh, games. Like it's been that long since they've even had time to get organized practice in. I mean, they they had a I wouldn't even call it a practice out in uh, Vegas. They they had uh, one the other day on the while on the road trip, but like that's really it. And so. so uh, some of their issues are understandable. Some of the things just need to be reinforced. Um, and so then you get to yesterday's game, and really the only thing that stood out was uh, there was that um, period where at the end of a quarter, Carlisle made an entire hockey line change and said, all right, we're not playing well enough. Let's just rotate everybody in, everybody out, keep it moving. And 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 that was uh, kind of the only noticeable difference, I think, last night. But in the big picture, I, I, you know, unless there was something he truly saw on – film i mean i'm not sure what major change you're making but i know it did have fans a little bit excited and a little bit curious going into last night's game scott agnes with us from fieldhouse files scott obviously the most important item of last night was a win and you know starting to steady the ship a little bit and you know all of those things whether you look at halliburton a little bit better you know you 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 look at very consistent bench play you know, defensively, sometimes you should have a parade if this team holds an opponent under 120 points in a given <laughs> night. Um, I feel like, arguably, one of the more important parts of last night, Scott, is no one played more than 29 minutes. So as you head into tonight, on a plane, back-to-back, rowdy environment, it should be a pretty fresh Pacer team, all things considered with the back-to-back. Yeah, totally agree. And in, also in the big picture, too, considering the stretch they've been on, they're on right now. Like, yeah, the, mo- the more you can play well through the first three quarters, the more you can limit yourself there in that fourth. The fact that we're seeing James Johnson get any minutes right now uh, is completely surprising and that we've seen it in several games. So you, you want that. It's, you know this, is gonna, this isn't going to feel like a regular season game. There's going to have a little additional – 
I don't know if it's pressure, excitement, nerves, um, te- let's call it tension tonight because of Memphis. Because keep in mind, last time they were there, what was it, last January, they left and felt threatened on their way out with uh, you know, a laser hitting the bus and guys not knowing what it was, some having a great idea of exactly what it was, and them just wanting to get the heck out of there. It's also, by the way, John Morant's first home game of the season after his 25-game suspension. So uh, a, a lot of tension, I think, tonight for both sides. Again, Scott Agnes with us here from Fieldhouse Files. You brought up James Johnson, Scott. Um, I believe that move happened a week ago, so I haven't had a chance to ask you about it. Uh, for those unfamiliar, like, uh, could you give us a little background on James Johnson and, and what he meant to the Pacers last season? And then how much do you think that was in reaction to what happened in Milwaukee? Yeah, so James Johnson is a 15-year vet. If you think about uh, just team leadership, this is this is purely a off-court move. This is to keep the guys accountable in the locker room. He's a, a lot of the guys just go to him for anything on and off the court. Um, he's very much like a Udonis Haslam in Miami, and so that's that's the guy that they wanted to bring back. And he, you know, he he was down in Miami, not with another team. Uh, they. Uh, talked with him and decided to bring him back. But it was before, I guess, the that, that Milwaukee event ended up happening. They met with him, um, and the timing just worked out conveniently after that and before this Memphis game, for example, because uh, he was one of them that was kind of talking with John Morant's uh, people courtside last time they were down there. But more, or James is just a great dude, great influence in that locker room, kind of an extension of the coaching staff. Um, and so that's, that's a, a nice move from that standpoint. Although I will say part of me would like to see that 15th roster spot be used in an experimental way, right? Like bring in a 10 day. All right. He doesn't work. We're bringing another one. All right. Call a guy up from the G league. Oh, we, you finally found one that works. I'd, I'd kind of like to see it be a little bit more of an experimental type of role. Scott Agnes with us here uh, from Fieldhouse Files. Scott Agnes with us here uh, from Fieldhouse Files. Plus, he's like kind of. Plus, he's a badass. Can we just say that? Oh, plus he he's is. like he's plus a black he's, belt, man. Yeah, plus he's like tough, <laughs> which is which is good. And I'm not going to make the joke about get there early tonight in Memphis with the uh, extra metal detectors. We'll we'll not make the joke. Uh, we'll we'll just move on. Uh, Scott Agnes with us here on the fan. Tyrese Halliburton, a slow start, but a but a better game. He has turned the ball over what 12 times in the last three games even in that Detroit win a week or so ago he had seven turnovers in that game uh, teams are defending him different I, I I think that's obvious what do you think teams are doing and then the last five games just talk about maybe a little bit of an off game a couple off games for Tyrese Halliburton yeah, for sure. And part of it, it, it sounds like an excuse, but it's also the reality. I think he's a little bit running on fumes. Like, you guys should have seen the amount of stuff he was doing in Las Vegas for the in-season tournament. He was getting pulled in so many different directions. They have him talk at every media availability now. So I think this is all new for, for this rising star right now. Um, some would put him in that superstar category. I think he's still facing the things that you have to check off and get to to become that that true superstar right now and he's he's doing them all right now but there's a lot of growth along the way from from just media hits to representing the franchise to being out in the community on top of what he's trying to do on the court and um the shot it doesn't bother me because that'll happen right you'll have 
good and, and bad games. Like Buddy Heald, you know, he had a bad first half, had a great second half shooting the ball last night and leading the Pacers to victory. The thing I don't like about Tyrese right now in the last week is he's gotten a little very loose with his handle, um, almost like he expects you know, like he, his passes are so good that they aren't going to get thrown away. Is almost like the inevitability uh, that may be going through his mind. Like he can't turn it over. Well, he's he's gotten a little loose with it, and now has had four turnovers in three straight games, and has been averaging that for like a week. So remember those runs where we talked about you know two or three games in a row where he'd have thirteen assists each and zero turnovers. He's got to get back to a little bit more towards that. Um, some to be expected, but some just getting, I don't know, a little loose, a little lackadaisical with it is one good change I'd like to see. Scott Agnes with us here. You can find his work over on Fieldhouse Files. Scott, um, yesterday you are kind of keeping us updated. Jarris Walker and the G League Showcase. Uh, could you mm-hmm. fill our audience in on exactly what that is for Walker and how he has been playing? It seems like those stints with Fort Wayne, boy, he's really filled it up. For sure, and he should. That's that's the one thing right. too. Is it's a G League? It's an entirely different level. Level. It would be concerning if he wasn't uh, having really good games, both on the stat sheet and what he's trying to do on the floor. Um, think of Orlando, where they're at right now in the G League showcase, like the old Orlando Summer League. It's truly a basketball environment, which is awesome. I went last year in Vegas. Did not go this year purely because I was tired after spending a week out in Vegas for this in-season tournament. But it, it, it's incredible from a standpoint. It's teams, it's executives, it's media and agents. No fans. Um, you know, there's no no one hyping the crowd in between, you know, timeouts and anything like that. So it's strictly basketball there. And with Jarris, they're trying to pay, play for $100,000 for that Mad Ants team if they win their next two games because they're easily the best team in the G League. They've won, I think, 13 in a row um, and are just playing great basketball despite guys going in and out of the lineup. And for Jarris, more than the numbers, what you want to see is how comfortable does he look on the floor? Is he getting teammates involved? Is he making the right reads offensively and defensively? That more specifically, more than a 30-point game or – eight rebounds or six assists, it, it, you're fundamentally trying to watch him play basketball because you know the numbers are inevitable. Scott, last one for me, and this is off the floor, and I've been meaning to ask you this. We really just have had other, I think, pressing topics. It's not incredibly time-sensitive, but we saw the announcement, I don't know, maybe now about a month ago that uh, Stephen Rails, I believe I'm saying that correctly, is yeah. you know now, um, what is it, 20% stake in the Pacers? Is that correct? Yeah, he had 5% and is now, um, once approved, will be 20%. Okay. Uh, what can you tell us about Steven Rails, and what do you think this means for the future of the franchise? Yeah, we haven't got a, t- a ton more clarity, to be honest, on this front. It all kind of happened all at once. I think that was right before the Vegas trip and the tournament and all of that. Um, he's a, he has a DePaul degree. Uh, has some Indiana connections because of it, has given back there as well, um, and has been very successful in the business world, including uh, kind of uh, in the filmmaking business as part of that is one of his businesses. This is something I would love to talk with Herb or Steve Simon about directly, just kind of the the bigger purpose behind that, Um, whether it was diversifying their investments or getting more money now or maximizing the investment right now uh there i haven't heard anything specific kb just yet like just why now um increase his his shares uh in the company and more to that i'd love to hear um 
if he has any greater input or if he has any any big ideas or is this strictly a financial decision here? But I don't think it's the worst thing to have another bigger voice or, um, in there and, and maybe an influx of money a little bit. Um, because when you're 5%, you're really not even playing ball. You're not getting in probably any of the phone calls or anything. At 20%, they might loop you in a little bit. But still, to be clear, the Simons have the majority share. Um, and I, I don't think it's approved yet by the Board of Governors, but I think it's very soon, if not this week. So perhaps we'll get some more news on that front and would hopefully like to learn a little bit more about Stephen Rails as well. Does Stephen Simon still live out in California? I believe Steve Simon lives in San Francisco, but is very often back to Indiana. Yeah, I was gonna say I see him a lot um, at uh, at you know various Pacers events. But yeah, I was curious if he still lived out there. The expectation, I guess, NBA wise, Scott is for expansion, not necessarily moving to franchises. Isn't like you know, it almost seems like Vegas and I don't know Seattle get it up to thirty two. Doesn't that seem to be the popular uh, thought with the NBA? Yeah, yeah. It would, I, the the thought is after this next TV deal, which is the big thing right now. It's the, almost the entire reason it feels like for that in season tournament, for example. It's much like in the NFL, they just all of a sudden made up and and Thursday night football, and all of a sudden there's another billion dollars for <laughs> the NFL. Well, the NBA, there's this in season tournament, for example. So once you have the expansion set, then the current owners get all that money, do not have to share it with the pl- players. Um, then I think you'll see the expansion um, probably to a couple more teams. And no, this is not directly related to that, I don't believe, at all. We even had Herb in a direct statement now, even before it's gone final, which I appreciated from, from Herb Simon and the Pacers, say, I have no intention, you know, Indiana's my second home, and, you know, we intend to keep the team here, whatever. And on top of that, uh, we've known for the last many years that Steve Simon, his son, like we just referenced, he's the one set to take over the team, take over more roles whenever uh, Herb you know, doesn't want to do anything more with it or, or whatever um, and moves on. And so uh, it'll be in the Simon family. It's just this is a, a secondary ownership person coming in. And what you're seeing a trend throughout ownerships more so in the NBA is it becoming more groups, like investment funds. So the fact that the Pacers had limited it here to mostly the Simon family and now just one other individual – I think that's a real positive. It's not like this is uh, an investment group coming in and, and trying to change everything and make a make it uh, more successful and then sell it off for a profit. Yeah, I think you know, just some curiosity around Central Indiana, honestly, and you know the eventual oh, passing of torches from you know Herb down and then you know Roger Penske over at IMS, Jim Irsay with the Colts, and all of that. Uh, all right, Scott, great stuff, man. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas to you, and thanks as always for joining us every Thursday. Yeah, you bet it. Thanks, guys. Scott Agnes Fieldhouse Files. Andy Sweeney, you assume Bruce Brown gets the John Moran assignment tonight? Uh, you, you'd imagine he has to, right? I mean, why well, have him on the team? <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> I mean, is, yeah. This is his forte, yeah. Have him go out there and make his job tough. a little bit smaller, you know, guards, right. wings being a little better suited for a guy like Bruce Brown. So, again, no Pacers player played over 29 minutes last night. I do think, along with the win, of course, uh, that's a good sign as the Pacers... Uh, try and go down to Memphis and sweep a back-to-back. They are a five-point underdog in John Morant's home debut. Uh, I have two stories I want to – we'll have a few minutes here. I have two football stories that I want your thoughts on. You and Mark, I think you'll find them interesting. I love it. We'll do that next and a little Falcons talk coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. 
Josh Kendall going to join us coming up in about eight minutes. Not to be confused with Jason Kendall from the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yes, we mentioned that last hour. He'll join us. We'll talk some Falcons football as the Colts get ready for that on Sunday. All right, we tease before the break, KB, that I had two stories, okay? Just football stories. I want you guys' thoughts on them, okay? Story number one, I know Mark Dykton's not going to be able to answer one of these uh, because uh, I know his hatred for Aaron Rodgers, and I understand I have hatred in my heart as well at times, so I can understand. So Aaron Rodgers is going to be on the 53-man roster, okay, KB, but he's not going to play. So what does that mean? You filed an NFL team for more than a decade. What does that mean? He's taking somebody's roster spot, okay? So the name Nick... Bowden, he is a fullback for the Jets, will not be Sounds making like a distant cousin of mine. He really does. He will not be making the game money. Okay, I'd imagine maybe he goes back to the practice squad. You'd at least hopefully he he hangs on here. But days before Christmas, Aaron Rodgers is saying, even though I'm not playing, I'm gonna be on the 53-man roster. And sorry about your luck, Nick. About it. Any uh, good guy, bad guy, or is it? Hey, this is pro sports. I'm Aaron Rodgers. I do whatever the hell I want to no, do. No bad guy. The Jets or Rodgers should at least give that human being some of the whatever 53-man <laughs> roster money he be getting. I, I'm confused. Is Rodgers participating in 11 on 11 drills? Well, I mean that's the thing. Now he can. Like, is he the scout he team quarterback? Uh, is he? Well, they're saying, oh, he's making these great catches and all that stuff. No, he, okay. I, don't, I don't believe he is. So wh- why? That's the point. Like, so, Unless yeah, you why? are literally participating in the 11-on-11 aspect of practice and you're getting those tangible reps, I see absolutely zero point whatsoever. And then the other one... Well, I it's, want, it's also a reason to keep himself in the national well, spotlight. It's, it's all it is. Because he's a narcissist. E- ESPN... Ta- I mean, Mark, we were listening. I mean, the, the ESPN morning show was talking about it. Probably half their hour number one. I mean, what a joke. I, I love Rodgers as a player. Uh, absolutely love watching him. But God, he's so exhausted. And yeah. then, oh... He was on McAfee and he goes, oh, well, well, it's just not realistic. No kidding. Who could have who could have guessed that? You tore your ACL in three plays in a week You're one. 40. It's not realistic. Achilles, no kidding. Yeah. The other clown. The other ones. Yeah, I knew by there. You guys, you guys came through. Um, the other one, Mac Brown, North Carolina head football coach. Yeah, he's still is, doing it, right? He's at still, well, kind of. He's still mad at Dave Doran. Dave Doran is the NC State head coach. Obviously, the big rivalry there between the Tar Heels and the Wolfpack. After NC State beat North Carolina to end the year, someone was videoing, did you see this, in the locker room, and Dave Doran referred to North Carolina, their players, as pieces of bleep. <laughs> that we, we did These pieces of bleep haven't beat us in, you know, like 1,120 days. I love what, it. Whatever it was. Mac Brown, 70-some-odd years old, is still upset about it. Dave Doran, good guy, bad guy, oh, or football guy. guy. Build the statue out front. <laughs> Valvano yeah. and Dave Doran, <laughs> NC State statues. Hell yeah. Calling it's a them rivalry. <laughs> calling them saying. things that Max Bone is fishing out of the toilet. <laughs> no, I, 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 I try to grab the hand before that, and then we'll just wash them as long as it's just liquid. <laughs> no, it's a it's it's a rivalry. Yeah, I mean, first of all, what do you think Kurt Signetti's going to call Purdue? You know, yeah. You know. Do you see Signetti? He's like, why why do guys you know why do these transfers want to be here? He's like, I win. Like he said it again yesterday. Oh, it's because I win. I'm going to be snapping fingers in the locker the room doing poetry slam. Google me, I win. <laughs> we got to find that sound. Google me, I win. We got to find that. I'll find it. We got to find that. that he also sound. said that he leaves the office at 11:30 and then comes back in at 4:30 and that he was so tired coming back in the office Good he for thought you. he hit a curb and got a flat tire. <laughs>
I love so he's a football coach giving us his bona fides how many hours he watches film during My the week. My brother in law was asking me, he goes, Kurt Signetti, I it is uber confidence that I think IU needs, but I'm worried he's just delusional. Oh no, there's delusion that's on top of it. I <laughs> like, love it, but there's ab- he's I mean, totally right. This totally. is Indiana football. You totally. know, this is not uh, yeah. Uh boy. Uh, all right, speaking of football, Atlanta Falcons. Uh, we'll get into that coming up on the other side. We'll do that next here. Wake up call. James Boyd from The Athletic going to join us here in just a second. Reminder, 7.30 tonight, Pacers on the road. They're in Memphis. John Morant's first game there. Uh, second, Well, second game, first game in Memphis. Back with the Grizz. Should be uh, quite the scene there in Memphis. Our coverage here on The Fan beginning at 7.30. And uh, we'll dive back more next segment. Scott Agnes will join us. We'll talk more about the Pacers then. All right, let's jump into some Anthony Richardson, some Colts, some playoffs, and everything else. James Boyd joins us from The Athletic on the Payless Liquors Hotline on this Thursday. JB, good morning. How are you today, sir? Living the dream, man. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you so much uh, for joining us. We'll dive into uh, Sunday's game and everything else. But one reason we wanted to have you on, uh, Anthony Richardson and other players visiting Riley Children's Hospital. Again, like we said at the beginning of last segment, so many players from all the teams here uh, and coaches doing such great things uh, around the holiday time. What did you make? You got to speak with Anthony Richardson. The sling is off. He was playing some NBA. What was it, two? with the kids what did you make yeah. uh what did you make of his mingling and some of the words that he said about his rehab obviously he's a great dude so it was a good to see him smiling because i think when he first had the surgery he was so down and out because he's disappointed right you're 21 you're the number four pick and you can't finish the season but i think since getting out of the sling and being a little more mobile he's excited about that and then he was able to just spread some joy to a bunch of children who still see him as this superhero figure, he was telling us, hey, man, like, I'm not used to, and I don't think I'll ever get used to people viewing me as this figure, but I'm glad that I can, you know, put a smile on somebody else's face. And he put it in perspective. He was like, yeah, sure, my shoulder's messed up, but this little shoulder is nothing compared to what they're going through. You know, a lot of these kids are battling cancer and things like that. So it was good to catch up with them. His progress is, you know, moving pretty well. He's about halfway through his rehab when it comes to throwing a football. But before anybody asks, no, he will not play again this season. <laughs> that was quite no. the reaction from Shane Steichen yesterday when you uh, when, when you asked that question. He's not on Twitter, KB. <laughs> no, no, he is not on Twitter. Lord knows uh, that that that'll never happen. Uh, James Boyd with us here from the Athletic. One more on the Richardson front, um, and I want to make sure I have these dates right. Surgery was in late October. Is that right? Yeah, October twenty fourth. Okay, and then sixteen weeks post surgery is when he is expected to be throwing, or that's kind of the and he obviously hopes to be ahead of schedule. Were his comments exactly? That would be the time that he would throw a football again, and and actually, ironically, Tuesday marked exactly eight weeks, so he's halfway there. You know, I'm thinking to myself. Okay, so if you map that out, that gets you to like mid February. That would leave probably two two and a half months before really the off season program begins. You know, you start to do the seven on seven stuff, individual work, OTAs follow after that in late May and early June. You know, two full months. I think that kind of checks out with you know what Shane Steichen said the day after surgery. I guess you know when we asked him about hey. You know, should he be good for the offseason program? Because I do think it's important for him to get that full offseason work in as a starter because obviously he didn't get that as a rookie and didn't get it from a, you know, Gardner Minshew splitting rep standpoint during that time of year. Absolutely. I think that's huge. And um, as you said, Shane Steichen was thinking like I was crazy yesterday when I asked about him. And he did say 
they expect him to be ready by the spring. So that's encouraging news, obviously. You, you know, we have to see how he progresses. But again, um, this is a guy who I think his spirits are just lifted because he's finally seeing some progress. Obviously, right after you get surgery done, you're not going to see a lot of it right away. But he's progressing. He's doing pretty well. And like I said, he was in good spirits. And it was just good to see him. Because, you know, we hadn't seen him a lot either. So just seeing him in the flesh and kind of being reminded of how much talent is in that body, you're just like, man, if he stays healthy, you know, maybe some good things can happen here in Indianapolis. James Boyd with us from The Athletic here. Wake up call on the fan on this Thursday. I don't know. I, we were talking about this uh, yesterday. I'll put you on the spot just a little bit. I always wonder, like seeing Anthony Richardson yesterday, I have no idea if he would have played the entire year this year, James. Like, are they better? Are they worse? Is it about the same? Uh, He would have made more dynamic plays. He would have thrown the ball more down the field. He also may have turned it over at times. Minshew's done some bad things. He's done some great things as well. Like, it's just interesting, the, the layers to this season. We'll never know exactly what the Colts would have been. Like, are they not a playoff team, or are they... One of, you know, do they have two more wins if Anthony Richardson is playing this entire season? We'll never know, JB. We'll never know. I hear you on that. I think they'd probably be a better team, a more talented team. But I will agree with you, Andy, when people sort of look at their schedule, they're like, man, if Anthony was in here, that's a win, that's a win, that's a win. But it's like you can't discredit some of the wins that they've had. Like, for example, are, are we sure that a rookie, you know, Anthony Richardson goes to Baltimore and wins? I'm not saying that it's not possible, but some of these uh, wins and losses, you know, I love the fans. They look at it and they're like, all right, well, you know, they barely beat this team. So that, that win stands with Anthony Richardson. But the other losses, he flips all of those. So they really they, – they would have 10 wins right now. And it's like, I don't right. know if that's how it works because <laughs> the NFL is very um, finicky in a way that makes it such a fun league. I mean- Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. And every week something weird happens, so you can't guarantee that just because maybe a more talented quarterback would have been in there, they'd be an absolutely better team, especially considering he's a rookie and he still would have had some of those growing pains. Tony Brown suspended three games. Isaiah McKenzie. Shane Steichen didn't give any details, didn't want to say too much, obviously, yesterday. What is your read of the situation? What is the fallout on the field? McKenzie was playing a nice amount, special team, slot wide receiver backup, and uh, Tony Brown about 71% of those snaps on special teams. Now what at those positions? Yeah, absolutely. I think, obviously, you look at what maybe can happen with Josh Downs as the main punt returner. Um, I know Daryl Baker Jr. got some burn as far as a special teams gunner in the absence of Tony Brown. So um, on the surface, it's not a huge, huge loss. Obviously, it's not ideal with the team trying to make a playoff push. But from what I've tried to glean about the situation, it is very internal. Um, obviously, the team is not happy with whatever happened. And my whole thing is, if it is to the point where you feel the need to suspend these guys and you're trying to make a playoff push, I have to ask as well, like, okay, would you be willing to even bring them back next season, considering that both guys are in the contract year? And, and right now, it doesn't seem like that will be a realistic, you know, decision by the franchise. So, um, obviously, it's a very unique situation. And because the NFL didn't suspend these guys, I know a lot of fans and, and people are like, oh, is it gambling? No, gambling is an NFL suspension. You're not going to, like, get any brownie points for suspending your own guys for the NFL <laughs> does. It's not drugs, because drugs, it's your first-time offense for PEDs, we've seen that happen with Grover Stewart and Al-Qadim Muhammad where you get suspended six games right away. So it's something else, um, and, and obviously it's unfortunate, again, just that this has happened and it's become sort of a thing with this team where every month or so something weird happens and we have to talk about suspensions. 
James, I was trying to compare, and again, James Boyd is with us here from The Athletic. I was trying to compare the, um, I'm trying to think of the word here, I guess the the punishment level. So inactive on Saturday, for me, that punishment level is like my mom telling me to go to my room. And now suspending them for three games without pay, that's like my mom saying, the cops are outside, you're in the state penitentiary. Like, I mean, it, it is a, to me, that is a, just a incredibly different sort of punishment scenario by the Colts. So, I guess outside of the details, what is one question you would want answered in this? One for me would be, why not cut them? Why, why the suspension? Clearly, there's some evidence they have that deems them worthy to be suspended in a very substantial manner, um, as opposed to just outright cutting them. What would be a question or two you might have that you want answered? That would be one of them. And then the next one for me would be, have they played their last game as Colts? Because, again, I just don't see how, you know, they're kind of fringe roster guys in a sense. Like, they're good enough to be, you know, NFL contributors, but they're also not big, big big-time players where you're willing to maybe give them so many more chances. So you wonder, okay, was this just the final straw, you know, for for their behavior? And, And obviously this is something that, you know, they feel like is not something that they can have going forward. And, again, I will, you know, preface this by saying, you know, seven suspensions, all of them were not with Shane Steichen at the helm and, right. and as the coach and in this position. But, again, for the entire team organization, you know, GM Chris Ballard and others, you have to look at, okay, we're, you know, we're a team in the NFL, but it's had seven suspensions in the last, like, four months, I believe it is, Kevin. So, again, you cannot go forward with that. But I would definitely like to know if, you know, given some truth serum with Chris Ballard or somebody else or Jim Irsay, you know, be willing to tell us, okay, are these guys out? And it's just the way you have to kind of go about this thing where you have to suspend them now, but you know in your mind they're not coming back, you know, potentially next season. And then also, I guess I would ask Kevin, is this, does this mean they're done for the year? You know, Shane Steichen wouldn't touch it, but they make the playoffs. That becomes another question for us to ask. Yeah, my uneducated opinion would say we have seen them play their last game, but no, I think that's a fair question that you asked. Shifting gears here, and by the way, James is latest on Alec Pierce. want to make sure we get, give him a chance here at the end. To chat a little bit about that, um, pretty touching story, um, not only on the field, but it's certainly off the field as well. Again, James Boyd with us. Matt Gay popping up on the injury report. I think it's very encouraging news that Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman signs leading into practice today. But Matt Gay, right hip. I would assume you're under the impression of until they make a kicker move, Matt Gay is still going to be the guy on Sunday? Absolutely. I think that's why you pay him the big bucks. Obviously, the injury is a bit alarming, and maybe it makes sense because of you know, some of the uncharacteristic misses that he's had. But, again, um, this is a player who you're going to need. And I think that with everything that went right last week as far as different guys stepping up, special teams is one of the weakest units of this team last week. So you just wonder, okay, you survived last week. Can you get back on track this week? Because the margin in the NFL, even against teams that aren't as talented, aren't as good like Atlanta, you cannot have these special teams blunders and expect to continue to win at a consistent rate. So um, we'll see what happens with him. But like you said, Kevin, the bigger news is JT being an estimated full participant in practice. You know, their walkthrough, and then today we'll get out there and see for ourselves um, what's going on with him. And Michael Pittman Jr., maybe the extra day helps, you know, both of them, you know, get on the right track to play at Atlanta, which would be a huge boost for this team as they try to continue to make this playoff push. James Boyd with us. James, are you going to the game on Sunday? You going to be in Atlanta? Yes, sir. I'll be in Atlanta. I will not be with my family on Christmas. And, you know, my family, my mom is like, you know, you couldn't make it back for us. And, you know, you couldn't fly to this city. And I'm like, you know, 
um, flights aren't free, Mom. So I'll see you when I see you. <laughs> also, also flying, you might you might be sitting in an airport uh, instead of sitting uh, at home. I was I was wondering. I mean, Atlanta's gotta they gotta have someone like Ludacris rappel down from the ceiling. Remember that a few weeks ago we talked about that. So that might be your Christmas gift. How do you for how do you forecast this game? I mean, right now ESPN's matchup predictor has the you know has Atlanta with a fifty point eight percent chance of winning. Atlanta now favored by one in this game. I think that's the newest line. Uh, what do you make of it? How do you think this plays out on Sunday? Yeah, well, with Atlanta favorite, I will say that the Colts, I don't know if you can call this an upset, but they upset the Falcons and they win this game, mainly because of the dysfunction that's happened with the Falcons this year. You can see another quarterback change. Desmond Ritter, uh, ironically, Alec Pierce's college quarterback gets benched. They throw Taylor Heineke in there. We know what he did last year against this team, but um, to me, this is a team, and I've talked to Zaire Franklin about it, DeForest Buckner. They feel like as long as we take care of our business, we don't have to depend on help for anybody else. And in this tight race where even this last week, things didn't really break their way to get more distance and more breathing room, you need to go out there and execute against a team that is not good, in my opinion. Now, I look at the last remaining games. Atlanta is not a good team. The, the Raiders are certainly not a good team. And then you have Houston, which to me is like a toss-up. You handle your business against the teams that are not good, and then you know going into the last week of the season, you see where things stand with with Houston and, and maybe handle business there. But you cannot, in my opinion, go down to Atlanta and, and lose against this team, which is has been you know sort of just up and down and and afterthought, and really is only in division contention because they're in such a bad division. It's James Floyd with us here from the Athletic. Turn your mic on. Boy. <laughs> hey, don't worry. I opened the show. What was it last week? Uh, yeah, welcome in. Uh, KB and Andy, you know, went for about 10 seconds and you were looking at me like, yo, idiot, turn your mic I'm on. I'm already coasting to the Christmas holiday <laughs> here. James Boyd on the Carey. Athletic with us here on the Payless Secrets Hotline. James, I do want to ask, and this is on the heels of what I thought was Gardner Minshew's best game of the season. I do want to look a little bit ahead. He is a free agent. The Colts, I think, have some very notable free agents. Michael Pittman Jr., of course, Grover Stewart, Kenny Moore. Talk about a guy that's had a nice year. How about Julian Blackman, Zach Moss? Mm. So of that five-person list, toss Gardner onto it. Pittman, Moss, Grover, Kenny, Blackman, and Gardner Minshew. Where would you rank Gardner of importance to bring back of those six names? That is a great question. I would say... He's probably top three. And I say that because we've seen, not saying that Anthony Richardson can't be healthy going forward, but we've seen even throughout this season with some of the teams that have had quarterback injuries, it's almost like it's bound to happen. Like you're going to have a spot injury where you need a guy to step in for a few games just to be able to get you some wins or keep the water, you know, kind of treading. So I would say he's got to be in that top three because of the importance of the position and because, again, we don't know what the future holds for Anthony Richardson. Now, I would love to sit up here and tell you, hey, this guy's never going to get hurt again. But we don't know that. And then just knowing that the way the league is going with you know, so many dynamic pass rushers and the frequency of quarterbacks kind of getting dinged up, you want to be able to at least toss the keys to a guy that you know you trust can get the job done maybe for a week or two um, while your main guy gets ready. So I would definitely prioritize trying to bring him back, although I know he will have a lot of suitors given what he's done this season. So off the top of my head, and guys, feel free to chime in. How many AFC teams do you think have had the same starting quarterback for every game this season? Oh, goodness. Okay. Josh uh, Bills. Allen. Yeah, okay. So I would go Bills. Tua. I, I think Tua. I, I think now I think Tua, if they don't have to play him in the final week of the year, they won't. But Mahomes Tua and right Russell now. Wilson, is that Lamar, it? Lamar Jackson. Lamar. 
Yeah, Lamar's been injured the last couple years, but Lamar Jackson would be one of those. Uh, Lawrence was until this week, right? Beathard didn't play a couple weeks ago, but that will probably change. So five of the 16, exactly. if we have this right, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Tua, and Lamar Jackson. I think that's it, yeah. Five of 16. I, I, I have no idea what past precedent is on that, but James, it just strikes me as a very low number. Again, that's exactly why I would, you know, just try to prioritize the backup quarterback position. We talked to Shane Steichen about it, and I think they were very fortunate to have Gardner. And again, it's not like Gardner has been amazing as of, you know, prior to that last game. He had basically been on par for one turnover, one touchdown. But um, again, this is someone who can at least keep you afloat, which is better than most people can say about their backup quarterback situation. But um, honestly, Kevin, I must say, even in some other situations like the Bengals and, you know, for example, the Vikings, it's, it's sort of been remarkable to see some of these teams still find a way to stack a few wins with guys that, you know, have not been household names ever throughout their career. But as we've seen, when you hang on very long to that backup quarterback, they start to regress and you see why they haven't been the main guy anywhere else. So it's, it's, it's fun Josh to see Dulock play well, but – you can't see everybody do the same thing. Yeah, I, I think that would be Josh Dobbs. Just look at the NFC. I think nine of sixteen would fit that mold. Have uh, had, yeah, yeah, have oh, have had. So that's a yeah. much bigger. It's, it's a big, it's a bigger number, number but yeah. it's still so showing fourteen of yeah, it's thirty two. It's still showing you, hey, you need a you need a backup quarterback in the NFL. You just do. I mean, look at look at what the Browns have had to go through. But even look at this week, Jacksonville. I mean, their season, the AFC South title, is hanging in the balance, and CJ Beathard probably gets the start there in Jacksonville, and then Houston. The last two weeks now is having to go to a backup with Case Keenum. This just kind of adds to the point and final point that I'll make on this. Um, Salisbury reaches out and says that uh, he was listening to Ryan Russillo's podcast and said that last year there were 58 starting quarterbacks through week 15, and this year there's been 57. So I guess not that big of a difference, but, man, I don't know. Maybe it's more the marquee names than anything. It just seems like it's been bigger this year. Uh, All right, James, a little plug, if you don't mind, for your Alec Pierce piece. Yeah, I had a chance to really get to know him and his family over the summer um, during one of his camps, his first one actually, back in his hometown of Glendale, Illinois. And I talked to him about sort of his mindset and why he's a 23-year-old who just doesn't care about what social media says, never gives into any negativity, and then you do some chipping away at some of his character and you find out what he's sort of been through. You know, he saw his mom, you know, battle and beat breast cancer when he was pretty young. He saw his dad, you know, donate his kidney to his uncle so his uncle could keep living. Um, you know, he's a guy who visits um, Raleigh Children's Hospital very frequently without, you know, a lot of the Colts fanfare. He just kind of does it on a routine basis at this point. So uh, the story basically explains why he's sort of wired the way he is, why you maybe don't see a lot of the outward frustrations because he has a really, really big um, and great perspective on life and, and, and sort of just how finite it can be. Those are his words, not mine. So. I encourage you all to check it out. Um, it's all about Alec and, and, and why he's sort of the man he is today. And I uh, had a good chance to put it together, a good time talking to his family. And this is a guy who's, you know, easy to root for. Do you want more from him production-wise? Sure. But there's also stuff in there as well about how obsessive he is about, you know, the sport itself. So look forward to you all reading that. And as James said, it will not be his college teammate under center. It will be Taylor Heineke coming up on Sunday. James, great stuff, man. Thanks for waking up with us, and I'll see you in a bit over at the Complex. Sounds good. Appreciate you guys. 
All right, back at it, 9 o'clock hour here on The Wake Up Call. As always, broadcasting live from the drivehubler.com studios. Reminder, coming up tonight, about 7.30, 8 o'clock tip-off there in Memphis. We got you covered with the Pacers and Grizzlies. And then what's that, Sunday at 10 a.m., KB, all the pregame coverage, Colts and Falcons. What TV are you doing this week, by the way? What do we need to look out for yeah, you? I always forget wish, what you're doing. Okay. Which TV action on Sunday morning? Morning, and before we get a little bit more to the Falcons, I do want to mention this great read on the Athletic this morning on uh, the relationship between Brock Purdy and Tyrese Halliburton. Oh, really? Former Cyclones of Iowa State, they had class together at Iowa State. I think, in a way, they kind of have similar career paths from a bit unheralded from a recruiting standpoint. And uh, I've obviously become very respective stars in their own sports there. So, good read. It does sound like those two have a pretty close relationship. So. Fun read over there. Did you happen to see the uh, number that's going around that Brock Purdy's making a 870k this year, and that Arch Manning made 3.2 mil in NIL this past season? Oh my god! Season Life is not fair, yeah, right? It's it's not. Uh, let's bring in Josh Kendall from the Athletic, talking uh, some Falcons football with him. Josh, uh, happy holidays! Thanks for joining us this morning. How are you, ma'am? Pretty good. How y'all? Man, we're good. Uh, getting ready for the holidays and and uh, and everything like that, and obviously a big game coming up. Both teams on Sunday. You know, I said earlier, Josh, that you know this reminded me. This Atlanta team reminded me a little bit of the Steeler team that the Colts played last week. Obviously, Arthur Smith and Mike Tomlin are, are different in what they've accomplished, but embattled coach, kind of a mess at quarterback, angry, frustrated fan base, but a team that has skill positions right that you would want on your respective teams, what's the psyche of this Atlanta team? Have they checked out? Do they still have fight in them? What's your read of the situation before we get ready for the game on Sunday? I don't think they've checked out. I do think that their confidence is low, and it's possible that if things start poorly Sunday in Atlanta, that it will they will look checked out. But I don't, I don't think that they have given up. Um, I think that Arthur Smith is making a change of quarterback as much as anything to kind of give this team a little bit of a spark. I think he, I think he felt like if he threw Desmond Ritter out there again, they would think, here we go again. Maybe now with Taylor Heineke, who brings a little bit different play. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Style, basically the same statistical results, but a much different attitude to the position. Maybe this, it'll loosen this team up a little bit, you know, kind of get it out of this slide. Josh, if you did a fan poll right now, lose and tank, win and stay alive, what would be the percentages for Falcons fans? I mean, I think you'd be at 75, 80% lose and tank. The, they have they have signed out on the Arthur Smith experience. They're done. You know they um, he he um, never. I don't think most of them ever got real warm and fuzzy with the guy because he doesn't come across real warm and fuzzy at the podium. He is not the guy that you see at the podium in you know in in real life. But what you see at the podium, you know, is not a guy you can put your arms around a lot of times. And so Falcons fans have been skeptical for a while. Um, and they are officially checked out now. So there, if you ask them to vote, they'd say, lose all three, get us in a good draft position, let a new coach make the pick. 
Given that, Josh, again, Josh Kendall from The Athletic with us here covers the Falcons. We appreciate his time. Given that, what do you expect in environment-wise? I mean, I'm looking here on a secondary market, you know, 20 bucks for tickets in the upper deck for Sunday afternoon. It's obviously Christmas Eve. Uh, what do you think the environment will be like? It'll be mostly mostly empty, half empty probably. Um, they, you know, they had a, when they were in contention the midseason, they were starting to get a little juice in town starting to get a little bit of a home field advantage, but it's always been a place where in the city of Atlanta, which is such a transient city, where if you've got somebody like the Steelers, like um, the Saints who have a traditional national type fan base, you'd get more Eagles even. You get more of those people than the Falcons fans. Hadn't seen that as much this year, and I don't know what the Colts traveling squad or the Colts contingent in Atlanta is like. But, you know, if, if you heard more cheers when the Colts do something well than when the Falcons do something well on Sunday, I wouldn't be shocked. Oh, boy. Well, I mean, you have to think, of, I mean, and Josh Kendall joining us here on the Payless Lakers Hotline. I mean, we always have fun with Atlanta finds a way to lose, unless you're the Braves, of course. Uh, and the Falcons, I mean, the last two weeks, that loss to the Bucks had that game wrapped up. It would have, you know, made it three straight wins. And then you can't lose to the Panthers, make the playoffs and keep your job. You just can't lose to the Carolina Panthers the way they did. Yeah, I mean, this has been a very, very Falcons season. This team's last four, in this team's last four losses. Now, you got to understand, this defense is pretty good. This defense has played pretty well. Statistically, it's in the top ten in the NFL in a lot of categories. But in their last four losses, the opponent has driven at least 70 yards and scored the game-winning points in the final 31 seconds. Mm. You know, some of that mm. goes back to the confidence I'm talking about. Some of that goes back to a defense that by that point in the season, by that point in each game, is just worn out because its offense is not giving it enough help. And that, and specifically at the defensive line position, where they've had a real rough, rough run of luck at tackle, and are very thin, especially in fourth quarter at tackle. Again, Josh Kendall with the Athletic is with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline, giving us some Falcons insight ahead of Sunday. I, I would guess the defense would kind of be in this boat, but Josh, if you're going to label, you know, a, a strength and a weakness for this team, because there have been a ton of one possession losses, uh, where would you point for both of those? The strength would be the defense. The strength would be, you know, I don't know that you can pick out any one unit on the defense, but overall that group has held its own in some tough situations. And then the weakness is quarterback position, just because it's every part of the offense is underperforming, but it all starts, as it always does, with the quarterback position. That's where they've got to get right. That's where they've got to quit turning the ball over. That's where they've got to get a little spark. You think better chance Arthur Smith is the head coach come next September or Desmond Ritter is the opening day starter next September? Ooh. Arthur Smith, for sure. I mean, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Arthur Blank, the team owner, um, you know, is just w- wants at this point in his, in his life to go through another coaching regime change, et cetera, et cetera. I think there's a real chance that Arthur Smith returns this year. Wow. If this team doesn't just go completely in the tank, I do not think that there's a chance that Desmond Ritter starts for this team in 2024. Uh, You mentioned that, I guess, just as a follow-up and going back to the beginning of our conversation. Again, Josh Kendall from The Athletic. We're talking some uh, some Falcons football here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Heineke over Ritter. Uh, I assume you think that's the right call. Why is that the right call? What would Heineke do, do you think, that Ritter simply won't be able to provide here the final couple weeks of the season? You know, I... This is not an easy quarterback call because these guys are performing basically the same. Desmond is statistically better than than 
tailored in a lot of categories, including completion percentage by a large margin. It's just that Desmond's confidence, I think, is pretty shot because of the critical mistakes in critical situations. Taylor Heineke, you know, the Falcons, like most teams, they have the starting quarterback, has a standard media availability every week. Falcons, it's Wednesday at 12.30 after the head coach comes into the main media room at the podium. So this is not like in the locker room. This is a little bit more formal than what you see, what you, the normal setting. Taylor Heineke rolls in yesterday, taking over the starting job, wearing his Bush beer hoodie. And <laughs> asked about it, he explains he, that he got fined last year for drinking Bush Light on the commander's plane ride home. And so Bush sent him a lot of, you know, free clothes. And so he just wears them all the time. That's what Taylor is going to bring. Shout out to him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's going to bring, you know, we asked him if he's auditioning for the starting job. And he says, no, because every time I play like that, I play poorly. I'm just going to go out there and play and try to remind everybody that we're, we're supposed to have fun. And this team probably needs that because it's in, down in the dumps so, so badly. Gosh, I love that. If the Gardner Minshew backup that. resigning yeah. doesn't happen, the Colts need Taylor Heineke. Period. Well, Heineke, I asked Heineke if he knew Minshew, and he said he did not, but he thinks they would get along. Well, yeah, they're, they're kindred spirits. Yeah, no, right. I mean, no, absolutely, uh-huh. they're kindred spirits. No, no. I love that. Yeah, you can't drink on the plane ride home because, you know, some guys would take advantage of that, didn't they? I mean, there's been issues. Guys have got loaded on the plane ride home, and then you got to get right. home once you land the plane, you know? Yeah, you are operating a vehicle yeah. after that. Josh, great stuff, man. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you. Uh, appreciate you hopping on with us. Same, guys. Take care. Josh Kendall right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. One thing I'm kind of confused by, Andy, in the last 24 hours, the line for this game has shifted. Mm-hmm. It has. And for those unfamiliar with Vegas lines, three-point shift is a ton. And we have gotten Colts minus two to Atlanta minus one. That would be a Colts favorite by two to now Atlanta, a favorite by one in a 24-hour span. And again, that is a Big jump in Vegas lingo. Why? I, I just I'm searching for it. I, you tell me. I, I'm 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 searching for it. I don't know. Is there? I mean, the YouTubers are saying the sharps are on Atlanta. That that's okay. So when you get a team where there's not that much separation, that they play close games, and both teams have, but Atlanta. I mean, you hear right there. Even though they're losses, the team has to go 70 yards plus in the final minute, final 31 seconds to win a game. You're saying I get points. I get basically a similar team, a desperate team. I get points, and I get a home team with points. That's where value is for sharp betters is home uh, is home teams getting points. But I, I mean that that's as good as I can give you though, yeah, right? It, I mean, that'd it, be it. It's funny you say that. You know, a lot of people, maybe not a lot of people, but there's a chunk of the audience out there that is a, of the belief that one possession games or luck. Are a bit lucky. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you yeah. Know, the sure. Vikings had all the one possession wins last year. Now look at this year. You know, water's kind of finding its level, et cetera, et cetera. And Kelly Ford, who does a great job here locally, diving deep into the analytics. He posted something yesterday of if you flip all the one possession games for teams this season. So if you flip them for the Colts instead of eight and six, they'd be five and nine. If you flip them for the Falcons instead of six and eight, they'd be eight and six. So I. Is that what we're looking at? Again, I, I'm grasping at straws here of trying to give explanation because, again, from an injury report standpoint, Atlanta still looks a little banged up in the trenches. And if you look at the Colts, they've got better news. I mean, Michael Pittman Jr. and Jonathan Taylor, I think the expectation is there's a legit chance those two play. 
listen, I, I think I think the t- the the guys on on the YouTube chat are spot on. The I, sharps. I, I think I think that's what it is to to have the line move that much, right? Like Louisville and Kentucky playing basketball, the line came out fifteen and a half and it went down to thirteen and a half. And I would imagine that would be the sharps saying, "Ah, there's a lot of points. It's a home team. It's still a rivalry game and everything else." And I think there's probably part of. Uh, Minshew and Taylor Heineke, is there that big uh, of a difference? We always talk about Atlanta's roster, a top 10-ish defense in most stats. Uh, And then you look at, hey, they still have, what, three guys, right? I think that's fair. Three, four guys that you wouldn't mind having on your team. Both their running backs. Drake London's a solid player. Uh, Pitts, even though he's disappeared in the offense, is a solid player. And I I, I don't know. Maybe you're saying, oh, the Colts don't beat good teams um, even though they dropped 30 straight, you don't respect the Pittsburgh Steelers and what they did. I don't know. I mean, I, here's what I always say. If you love the Colts in this game, go scoop them up. You're going to get a point, point and a half, almost a pick them. Good to go. Go make yourself some Christmas money. Brought this up a little bit earlier. Again, Shane Steichen's comments yesterday in relation to the Tony Brown, Isaiah McKenzie suspended three games. Um, if you look at the Colts, they've had seven suspensions since June um, five of the seven league mandated, you know, PDs, gambling, those sorts of things. Um, all seven of them, Andy, at least three games. Um, so that's you know also you know pretty notable. Um, I was looking up a little bit earlier to try to put that into a little bit of context for Colts fans because again, I've covered the team since 2011. I cannot recall many suspensions during that time frame. Did a quick scan. And if I've got this right, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I see nine suspensions in the ten years previous to this total. So they've had seven oh and five God. months. Really? And I'm counting. I have no idea this. Their last suspension. Boy, this is great. A college football icon, a man that had labeled himself as swag. <laughs> Chad Kelly. Oh yes, suspended. I, that I was knew their where last you were one. going with that. When you said swag, my brain went to Chad Kelly. Oh, I remember this. Uh, Robert yeah. Turbin, Dequell Jackson, uh-huh. Ron Landry. Obviously, you had the Robert Mathis PED one. You know, McAfee got a game for the incident, alleged incident, as he would say in the canal. Uh, Trent Richardson undisclosed during the playoffs. Um, so again, it is Eric Walden got a game for headbutting Delaney Walker. I forgot Walden was nuts. Um, yeah, seven <laughs> in four months. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight. Now that I count it up again, double check my math here. Eight in the previous ten years. Were so, they both wearing helmets when the headbutt went down? I, I, Walden didn't I, I, take I his helmet off and then try to headbutt Delaney I, Walker, I, I did do, he? Walden strikes me as a dude that would have headbutted him had he not had his helmet on and Delaney Walker had his helmet on. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's happened before. So, again, this is a big number. Yeah, it is a big number. I don't, you know, you know what's crazy about it? When you win, fans and Grover Stewart, like, if you would have went one in five in those games, you'd be like, oh, damn, you know, Grover Stewart really affected, really hurt, really injured our season. If this was be- last year as the oh, headline, uh, the culture oh, and dysfunction. Yeah, that Frank Reich is, oh, it would be, no, it'd be on ESPN, NFL Network. We'd be talking about it here. There's absolutely no doubt about it. Because they're winning and because 
people like Steichen, even though these are not, it's not like all seven of them. Right, Steichen right, right. has no, made no, no. It's only a yeah. couple of them, the recent ones, uh, to be exact. And like you've mentioned, there have been other things. He's bench guys. He's cut Deion Jackson. Right. We have that conversation in the 730 segment. But because of that, f- f- fans, man, fans get turned on when winning coach who the players love is punishing players for doing stupid stuff. Right. Fans love accountability, that. When you're, winning, when you're yeah. winning football games, fans today are saying, well, I mean, McKenzie and, and, and Tony Brown, you got to be better. If this would have been last year and it's Frank Reich or it's Jeff Saturday, it would have said, well, I mean, look at this mess that Chris Ballard's built, right? Mm-hmm. Look at these guys aren't bought in. The coaching staffs are a mess, whoever it would have been. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Yeah, it is. Um, it's interesting how it's viewed. Um you know, again, five of the seven league-wide, several of these well before Shane Steichen's arrival in terms of, you know, when the acts were committed. I'm trying to think what Chad Kelly was even suspended for. I'm probably the only one that actually cares about that. But um, nonetheless, Shane Steichen yesterday, uh, there's a standard here, and we've got to be accountable. And that was short and sweet and to the point. And, um, yeah, the Colts will move forward. Again, really, on the field just kind of thins the depth behind Josh Downs, behind Kenny Moore. Those would be the two guys that when you look at it, you can't afford to lose. I got a question for you, all right? Okay, yeah. Let's go. Name me the Colts player that's played the most snaps for this football team this season. Pierce. The Colts player that's played the most snaps for them this season. Mark Dykton, you want to guess? I'm going to say it's a lineman. Um... Alec Pierce was the guest from Andy Sweeney. I always feel like he misses like two snaps a week, and he hasn't he hasn't missed a game this year, right? Has he? Am I blanking? Did he miss one earlier in the year? I don't think so. I don't think he did either. I know he's been on the injury report a couple times. Quentin Nelson. I don't remember if he's missed a game or two. It's a guy that has missed 14 games the last two years. He's in a contract year. I mentioned him earlier to James Boyd. The man that's played the most snaps for the Colts this season, Julian Blackman at safety. Yeah, free agent. Uh, the NFL make himself some money. has him listed as missing two. Julian yesterday was adamant that he has not missed one. Uh, it's kind of funny to listen to him uh, describe that. But uh, you talk about a guy that needed to be available this season, and you know if you go back to Grand Park at training camp, he was he was off injured. You know he he had a hamstring injury for several weeks there. Um, but you know, for any of people that went out though to training camp and watched them practice, Blackman was always one of the more vocal, you know, young, young secondary, getting those guys lined up. And he has always been when he's played, he's always just been very instinctual, very productive, can fill a variety of roles. I mean, the play that he made on Sunday, Andy, or you know, Saturday against the Steelers, you know, EJ Speed has that strip on the sidelines. It's not called a fumble on the field. Mm-hmm. So a lot of guys will not go after that ball. Oh, sure, yeah, you stop playing. And if they do go after it, that's a bouncing ball on the opposing sideline. How many times do you just see guys just muff that or unable to secure it and get two feet down? He's Johnny on the spot. He continues to play even without the whistle uh, indicating that there had been a fumble. And he secures that ball, and all of a sudden they review it, and there's a clear recovery, and it's Blackman, and it's a big play. So you know, I said to James Boyd earlier, you know, how do you kind of rank Gardner Minshew within these free agents upcoming? Yeah, how do you rank it? I'm Boy, interested. Uh, I, I would rank Gardner, I think, pretty high. I also think Julian Blackman is a really important piece to bring I know. back. I this know. Is the, You're uh, right. We'll, we'll talk about this more, certainly as the calendar turns to 2024. Andy, again, in the 10-plus years I've covered the team, I cannot recall a free agency 
that I will have looked at the in-house free agents for the Colts, and I will have five of them that I'll sit here and say, it makes total sense to bring that guy back. It makes total sense to bring that guy back. Again, I mean, Pittman, Grover, Kenny Moore, Gardner, Julian Blackman, aren't all of those guys falling into that category? You have to feel that way. I mean, Gardner Minshew, I think, is probably... I, I would say this. If you had Gardner Minshew at like three or four on the names that were listed, I think Shane Steichen has him higher. I mean, I think there is a confidence, there is a rapport with Gardner Minshew, and he absolutely can... Uh, he can do more than tread water that James Boyd talked about. I mean, hell, he's three games away. He's three weeks away from essentially leading a team to the playoffs, from being the starter. In, in, even in games earlier that they won that he didn't start, he came in in the second quarter and led him to a win. Think of the Tennessee win when when Anthony Richardson went down. Boy, I tell you, I think Gardner Minshew is high on this list. If you don't get him, like like Philly right now, I'm just going to make, you know, Steichen comes from Philly. They have Marcus Mariota. They can't play him. He can't play. They don't have a backup option there. Otherwise, you could maybe even sit Jalen Hurts for a little while, or you would at least consider that as he's dragging himself off the field. You can't do that. I mean, you just can't. So, I mean, there's 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 half the teams in the NFL that don't have someone that can come in and play. Chris asks, wasn't Chad Kelly suspended for being drunk he and was. going into someone else's house? He, he, mm-hmm. it, was, it was while he played for Denver. Uh, it oh, was, it wasn't uh, even here? I thought he got... It was suspended as a cult. It wasn't here. It was maybe after the a act Halloween was in party. Denver, and then it played out here. I believe so. Yeah, no, yeah. He's the backup quarterback in Denver. He was charged with criminal trespassing after a couple reported he came into their suburban house uninvited and sat down on their couch mumbling incoherently. No, oh. maybe he just wanted to have a chat. Bring them, you know, cookies for the holiday season. <laughs> you got to be really drunk. Can you imagine? You gotta be real. I mean, how? Drunk. Yeah, you have to be hammered the bejesus to be able to walk into someone else's house and just sit on the couch like, yeah, this feels right. This is normal. Yeah, he was placed on the injury or on the suspension list by the Colts in August of 2019. So when was that act? When was uh, when was this? I've already clicked off visiting of it. the st- neighbors. Do you still have it up there? Suspended. Hang on. You yeah, know, the, I clicked the, off. The press releases say you know trying to invite new neighbors over. <laughs> Shouldn't say. Uh, just says he was facing multiple lawsuits following two inc- incidents when he was a member of the Broncos from October 2018. 2018? Yeah. And then he pushed uh-huh. somebody, too, and that was a whole thing. He had a, he had a couple incidents. Well, well, I guess that leads to the, uh, yeah. the fir- suspension list in 2019. The, by the first way. suit was supposedly he hit a photographer at a Halloween party, and the second was being drunken on the people's couch. He also punched someone in a nightclub in Buffalo. Very active young man. Yeah, not, sure. uh-huh. not so on the field, but right. apparently off the field. Rambunctious. Yes, rambunctious. That's uh, what they right. say. Uh, coming up in a few, pop quiz, 317-239-1070 for that. A little tease here for the upcoming shows here. Uh, in about two weeks, we've got Butler and UConn over at Hinkle. UConn lo- lost last night. Did I see that? They did. They Seton got Hall? Bo- They got boat raced, by the way. Boat uh, race. I see. Or was Villanova? Did Villanova have a big win last night, too? Okay, so Villanova beat Creighton at, at Creighton. North Carolina beat Oklahoma at Oklahoma. And UConn at Seton Hall lost by 15 to Seton Hall. Well, that's quite the start of the Big East. You it know, really Marquette is. Marquette losing that's as surprising. well. So, uh, again, UConn at Butler coming up on January 5th. We're going to give away some tickets to that game all throughout the next couple of weeks. So, I think we'll start that maybe tomorrow. 
Uh, but again, pop quiz coming up in a few. That would be 317-239-1070 for that. Uh, before it, let's morning check down it. Yeah, let's start last night in Gamebridge. Pacers winners 144-113. Pacers improved to 14-12 and on the season. A lot's been made the last couple days. Would Rick Carlisle change anything in the starting lineup? He alluded to it a couple different times, but he didn't. He still went with Brown, Top, and Turner, Halliburton, and Buddy Heald. Heald broke out with 25 points. Here's Carlisle post-game on deciding not to switch up that starting lineup. I thought our practice yesterday was very positive. They're our starting group is doing a lot of good things. In many ways, they're one of our best lineups. To break it up simply just to break it up, to me, did not make sense. But going forward, everything's on the table. And we've got to watch it very closely. I mean, I pulled four guys at once at the end of the third quarter because we didn't seem to have the right spirit. And the starters went back in there, got got it up over 22, whatever it was. Uh, Those guys went back in there, and and they got it right. A lineup shakeup isn't always changing the starting lineup. You know, sometimes you got to pull the plug on a whole group and make a hockey substitution, which I don't like because it's, you know, it's just, it's no fun. It's no fun if you're the coach. Uh, it's no fun if you're one of the players. Now, obviously, now stringing things together, Andy will be the next kind of goal for this team. But I do think there's a lot of things you like from last night. You got to love 37 assists on 48 field goals, I think 49 field goals. And that is a Huge, huge ratio. You love that your starters got to pretty much sit on the bench in the fourth quarter. 28 minutes was a high for any Pacers player last night as they head into a back-to-back. Bench unit, very good. Uh, 25 of 33 from the floor. And it was nice to see Jalen Smith again. Um, you, you, I mean, honestly, through the first he was good. couple weeks of the season, he was, he was your best player, not named Tyrese Halliburton, early on in the year. Neesmith, Matherin, Isaiah Jackson, TJ McConnell, all very good off the bench. Buddy Heald, Miles Turner in the starting lineup. Also as well, so uh, getting much needed for the Pacers, and now 8 o'clock tonight in what will be a very rowdy, you would think, Memphis Grizzlies home game as it is Ja Morant's home debut. Again, Morant had 34 in the opener there. They have been awful without him this season. Uh, the Indy Connections, Jaron Jackson Jr., Desmond Bain, Jake LaRavia, and company. Pacers-Grizzlies, 8 o'clock tip tonight. Grizzlies favored by 5. Uh, college basketball for tonight as well. Uh, it's going to be back-to-back on the Big Ten Network from a local standpoint, 6.30. The Dolphins of Jacksonville yes. in West... When I think of Dolphins, I think of West Lafayette, Indiana. Uh, a 30-and-a-half-point line for this one. First home game for the Boilermakers in 17 days. Jacksonville is 8-4 and four for what it's worth. They also lost by 50 to Pittsburgh. Oh, God. <laughs> they lost by 50? Not only Pittsburgh probably that good. Pittsburgh? I was just going to ask you, is Jeff Capel still there? Yeah, he saved his job, what was it, last year or the year before by by making the NCAA tournament. So, yes, I believe Jeff Capel is still there at Pittsburgh. Jackson's going to wait for us. Transfer averaging about 16 a game. And then uh, at 8.30, it'll be Indiana taking on the Lions of Alabama. Don't know if they'll be that ferocious tonight, but uh, nonetheless, Indiana has not been able to really put away any of these types of teams this season. Uh, North Alabama is a 13-and-a-half-point underdog. They play a bunch of dudes. They're not very big, and they shoot a lot of threes. There you go. Yeah, so have have fun. It's a nice doubleheader. But Can you in, imagine in if we have to talk win. about 
what, North Indiana, Alabama what, upsetting Indiana tomorrow? <laughs> I mean, I guess it would surprise me. I, I had a little bit more confidence in Moorhead State than I do than I do tonight. Short turnaround. I, it is a short Hoosiers. turnaround, yeah. In a week that sometimes people don't play a lot. Indiana, a couple different games. Give us a clue here. Uh, two football stories real quick. Rams, Saints tonight uh, is a new week in the NFL. Week 16 underway, 8-15 on Amazon. Rams favored there by four. You're over under 46 and a half. Both teams 7-7. Seven and seven. Both teams trying to get either that last playoff spot or for the Saints can still get the four seed there battling Tampa Bay uh, in the NFC South. Rams right now are the seven seed. And then in the last really 15 minutes, news coming down. I'll give a quick take on this if you don't mind. Uh, Florida State is having a board of trustees yeah, meeting to, uh, tomorrow. Uh, they are expected to continue to explore their legal challenge to leave the ACC. Now, the battle here is because I've unfortunately had to follow this story. The ACC, when they a couple years ago redid the grant of rights, KB, this, this document is stored in... At the ACC headquarters. And fill our audience in for those unfamiliar with this grant, right? TV deal through what? Yeah, well, boy, for 20, 30 something? Yeah, I mean, it goes for more than a decade. For the ACC. Yeah, for the ACC. And what it did is when all this was going on, it looked like the ACC a couple years ago was, was going to lose out and was going to disband. And so to stick together in the show of solidarity, they, they did this grant of rights. And it's done nothing but hurt the conference. It has limited their TV money, and now given that the Big Ten and the SEC specifically are making so much more money, Clemson and Florida State are all pissed off that they are not going to be able to compete because they can't make the money that that these SEC and Big Ten schools have. Now, the ACC has went back and they've amended and they've said, we'll give you a little bit more of the piece of the pie. But the funny thing about this story is this grant of rights is in Charlotte. So every time the lawyers for Florida State or any other ACC institution that they want to go look at this grant of rights... They can't pull it up in a PDF file. They got to go to Charlotte. And so Pete Thamel reporting on ESPN that for the last several months, uh, the Florida State lawyers have been a half dozen times to examine the grant of rights. And basically, if you leave the conference, you got to pay over $120 million. And, and then on top of it, Florida State's real problem here is nobody wants them. The Big Ten doesn't want them. And the SEC, if they would have wanted them, either one of these conferences could have gone out and made the move, and they haven't. And then the last take would be Florida State. I mean, it's every it's every, it's every every three months, two, three months, they do Charlotte. this thing. Charlotte every time, though. you got to be listening to this on the road trip. Carolina Panthers with sharp teeth and claws. We growl to win this game. We call pro football. Is that what they sang after the win last week? What a beautiful growl. That was a big win. 9-7 over Snap Atlanta. Snap your fingers after a win over Akron. You could, you know, Jim Mersey dancing. Or do we have a We Will Rock You from Jim Mersey uh, in the 49ers locker room, Mark? But it's like while well, he's finding that it's like Flor- Florida State is is like threatening to leave their job and they don't have a, another job lined up and nobody wants them Mark, to, to we be need at their to hear job. Jim say we will rock you. Oh, of course. I think we should play I'll tomorrow. Take requests these all, next two all, days. I, yeah, I think tomorrow we should just play all Leading Jim Irsay sound. Holiday break here. Uh, speaking well, of the Colts, I need a job. I'm not allowed to play all the Irsay sound. I've been told some is banned. So speaking of the Colts, injury updates from yesterday. Again, just a walkthrough. Today will be their first practice. Good news for Jonathan Taylor, and Michael Pittman, though. The expectations both will practice today. 
Important step for Michael Pittman in trying to clear concussion protocol. Important for Jonathan Taylor. First work in three weeks. Uh, how's that right thumb? Can he handle pass protection? Can he handle ball security? Those sorts of things. On the did not participate, or maybe I should say would not participate list, if they had a practice, Zach Moss, after that arm injury, on Saturday, Matt Gay, the kicker, right hip. So it is a physical ailment for Matt Gay, but doesn't appear to be too severe because he's the only kicker still on the roster as of this Thursday morning. And Braden Smith continues to be on that list. Can I add one thing? How many people do you think are skeptical Matt Gay, they're like, oh yeah, of course. Now, now you're gonna, now they're gonna put something up on the injury report because you've had a crappy two. Are they cod- they're coddling their twenty million dollar kicker? That's what they're doing. Is that ah, what you're saying? Ah, you know, whenever a kicker misses something, you gotta, you gotta play. He's got a, he's got a foot, or he's got an ankle, or a hammy, or something like that. I mean, yeah. I don't care either way. I'm saying there are some people who probably feel that way. I asked Shane second yesterday. I go and Monday or Sunday, I guess I asked him. Okay, physical or mental for right. Matt Gay. Yeah, I, I don't have a great answer. So yesterday, I'm like, all right, do you do anything different with Matt Gay this week? Which is you know, a good question, by the like, way, by I mean, you. Kicker voodoo dolls, I feel like, are out there. Yeah. Like, oh, no, no one walked near them. Or, you know, yeah. how do you handle kickers? I'm like, do you get them extra reps, et cetera, et cetera? He's like, no. And then he murmurs something after that. I'm like, well, that was a really odd. Even for Shane Steichen, I'm like, that was an odd answer. Lo and behold, he's on the injury report with the old right hipper. Yeah, is that one thing where, you know, the special teams coach, Brian Mason's like, all right. Let's just put a fake injury on there. Let's make him feel better about himself. Uh, right hip. Or maybe he's really dealing with something. Yeah, I mean, he might be. Or it's, it's just, you know, it shields His him a little bit. looked weird, too, to me. There are a couple, like, he's know, been like a line drive that I don't know if it was meant to be the line drive to open up the game. And I don't know. So, there you go. Matt Gay. We'll continue to watch that as the week moves along. All right, Pop Quiz. 317-239-1070. That is next. I see an answer here. Actually, I'm scrolling through the answers. Is this doable? NFL teams? I just started looking at it as well. Yeah. Nah. I'm looking at the first couple. Doesn't There's nothing that says 1912. If you like so the if NFL we can do that, and the history good. of the league and you like former Purdue quarterbacks, you got a chance. 317-239-1070. Well, I say we end with, with this. You guys can follow me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hold on. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. All right, let's get a winner. It's been a slow week here on the pop wait, wait, quiz. Let's get a winner. Week, huh? we? Well, I know it's uh, what is it? Water coming back to level. We've said that with the Pacers. Maybe we're saying that uh, with the pop quiz as well. Reminder: Pacers coverage tonight. What seven thirty? That tip off eight o'clock in Memphis, and then all day today. Query and Company at noon. JMV coming your way at three o'clock. Uh, let's go. We have some callers on hold. Do you want to do the? Do you want to do the? Uh, do the honors here, KB? Let's go. You want to uh, choose? Go with uh, what do we got? Four days. So, Chris, let's go with caller number four. All right. Dave. Dave, good morning, sir. How are you? Pretty good, guys. How you doing? Hey, Dave. What's up? I'm uh, just driving home right now. 
Home from where, if you don't mind? Home, home from a heart scan I just had. I did a $50 promo at Franciscan, so just had that done. Well, good for you, Dave. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, are you a, um, I guess, I'm trying to think, there's a lot of Franciscan locations. What what uh, what side of town do you uh, hail from? The south side. Okay. All right. Well, I hope everything goes, yeah. uh, goes well with that checkup. I do, too. Well, it did. Thank you very much. Oh, good. Already got, <laughs> I already the results, got the results. Dave was your favorite athlete of all time. Favorite athlete of all time? Wow. Um, I'd have to go with Jerry West. Ooh. Okay, there. Old, Any particular reason? I just, uh, no. I like number 44. I liked L.A. with Wilt Chamberlain and Jerry West and Elgin Baylor and those guys. So I think it was Jerry West. I feel like 44 is one of the more iconic jersey numbers. I interviewed Jerry West one time. Whoa. Probably five minutes right after Kobe and Shaq split. It's like, what's up with Kobe and Shaq? Yeah, it was in college. Yeah, how about that? Man, that's five like minutes a big with deal. Jerry West. How about yeah. that? To go find that sometime. I'll find a picture. I had much longer hair then. You guys will find it funny. I'll find that for next week. Uh, do you think the pop quiz is doable? Uh, no, it's never doable, but it's, you got a better chance than maybe yes, was yesterday the rough one. Didn't we go 0 for 5? Was it yeah. yesterday or two days no, ago? No, that was the 0 for. Okay, yeah, yeah we went 0 for 5. Yeah. So I, Dave sounds like a smart now, dude Dave's here. ready to go. All right, Dave, you ready to go? Let's go. Question number one. Let's fire these away. The Colts take on the Falcons on Sunday in Atlanta. The Colts have dominated the series, winning 15 of the 17 previous meetings. Who was the last Colts starting quarterback to lose to the Falcons? Was it Jacoby Brissett, Curtis Painter, Peyton Manning, Marty Domris? Is that, did I say that right? There we go. Nailed it. I'll say Jacoby Brissett. You sure? Uh, Curtis Painter. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> like a wedding coordinator. Like a wedding Kevin, planner, Kevin helped everyone if you heard the tease. Dave, uh, Center Grove, Perry, Decatur, Greenwood. Am I way off on all that? Any district for you? Uh, Ron Colley. Ron Colley. All right. I respect <laughs> that. They're very good at volleyball, right? I was watching the girl for Texas the other night. Emma Halter. She was outstanding. Okay. Um, right? Peyton Manning. Well, but- Curtis Painter's the right answer. I was making small talk, Dave, with you. That was uncomfortable small talk as well. Apologies for not making that clear. Uh, Moving on to number two on this iconic... I'm a slow this morning, guys. Bear with me. No, all good. You've had a hell of a morning already. Uh, On this day in 1941, this team became the first in history to win an NFL championship game in back-to-back seasons. Was it the Chicago Bears, the Green Bay Packers, the New York Giants, or the Washington Redskins? The Washington Redskins. A member of this studio was very happy about this news. Well, I wasn't born, but... Bears, Packers, (laughs) Giants, or Redskins? Redskins? Question number three. You'd be very old, Mark. You'd be the oldest producer. That, I know. That would be the thing. Like the Did fan Dave think I was like, still making like, small talk maybe. there with that one? I'd really have to reevaluate my yeah, life. The fan in Indy has, has, has the oldest sports radio producer what do you mean? ever. There's that rich Dyketon <laughs> history of Bears fans out there? There are, but I think, my God, my grand, my dad wasn't even born before that. God, are we staying in the 60s here for the next couple of I questions? I think we are. Yeah. All right, here we go, uh, Dave. Question number three on this day in 1969. Vince Lombardi coached his final game. With which team did the legendary Hall of Famer coach his last game? Was it the Green Bay Packers, the New York Giants, the Philadelphia Eagles, 
the Washington Redskins? I'm pretty sure he didn't finish career with Green Bay. So, um, who was the second? Who was the second choice? Uh, Packers, Giants, Eagles, Redskins. Let's let's go Eagles. Dave, did you ever watch Jason Warner play football at Ron Colley? Yes, I did. God, you want to talk about a beast? Oh my god, yes, he was. Yeah, that dude, played, was what, six years at Purdue too. Yeah. yeah. He's in the financial world right now, isn't he? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, I thought I heard that. Uh, all right, number four here. The Saints are in Los Angeles. Take on the Rams tonight, Thursday night football. Rams were the opponent for the first regular season game in New Orleans Saints history. The Saints' John Gilliam returned the opening kick 94 yards <laughs> for a touchdown. Name another NFL franchise that returned to kickoff for a touchdown on the first play of his existence. I mean, who cares? <laughs> Dave, was it the Baltimore Colts, the Dallas Cowboys, the Miami Dolphins, or was it two of the above? Oh, that's evil at the end by Scotty giving you the two of the above. That's evil. Let's go with the two of the above. No, Dave. I'm going to give you a hint That's not here. the answer. Mark has played the audio of this animal quite often on the show today. They were the choices again. I'm sorry, guys. The Baltimore Colts, the Dallas Cowboys, the Miami Dolphins, or two of the above. Miami Dolphins. Good, good job. Free bleeping Willie. Uh, Come jo- on, Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid dropped 51 and grabbed 12 boards in the Sixers' win over the T Wolves last night. Embiid is on a streak. This is actually crazy. Where he's recorded 12 straight games of at least 30 points and 10 rebounds. Name the last player to have a streak of at least 12 games of 30 points and 10 boards. Was it Shaq? Was it Kareem? Was it Wilt? Was it Tim Duncan? Tim Duncan. All right, let's see how Dave did there. Scotty, I just cannot get over the venom you had with question number four. (laughs) I mean, what? I mean, in the holiday season, the spirit, the holiday spirit? Gosh, yeah, Ebenezer. I thought you know Andy's comments about playing awful Christmas music on Friday. Well, just enough. all the ones that people didn't like, and immediately people message us on Twitter. Someone loving Mariah Carey, and someone saying, "I'm not going to listen tomorrow if you play Mariah Carey." The Colts have dominated the Falcons. 15 of 17 wins. Uh, the last Colts starting quarterback to lose to the Falcons. He said Jacoby Brissett, but then I coaxed him towards Purdue. Yeah. Loud and proud. Curtis Painter, 31-7. Uh, that was in 2011. Oh, Scotty, that had to be pretty, November 6, 2011. That had to be pretty close to Curtis Painter's last game. Didn't they go to Orlovsky right around Thanksgiving? Oh, they oh, went really? to Orlovsky in that game. Okay. In that game? Okay. There you gotcha. go. All right. This day in 1941, this team became the first in history to win the NFL championship back-to-back years. Mark Dykton, in, you know, 40 years would have been celebrating this. Yeah. yeah I mean, 44 years before 44 I was even years. born. So The Bears. That's big. And go Bears! Vince uh, Lombardi's last game, the Washington Redskins. I believe he said the Eagles. Yeah, and again, Miami Dolphins opening kickoff. Last one, not Tim Duncan, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That is an insane run by Joel that, Embiid. That's a tough one, yeah. It really is. I mean, Embiid's going to win. Was he going to win the, the MVP again? Isn't Jokic having an under? Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you start to the year? I mean, it's maybe those two. 
Again, yeah, good right. for them. All right, we'll do one final time here. Wake up call. Got an email yesterday uh, that that someone left me. They have a piece of mail at the front desk. Oh, KB. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that has to be someone telling me I stink. <laughs> that can't be a that can't be a nice holiday <laughs> greeting, right? Season. Well, it's maybe also sports, ra- it's also sports radio. You. Well, maybe it's also well, sports meet up radio. In Irvington. Well, yeah. Grab a beer at Black Acre. Yeah. Well, that place is gone now. Is it gone? Yeah, it's gone. Scarlet oh, Lane took its Scarlet place. Scarlet Lane. That's what I'm not thinking too of. long. By the way, Giacomo's made for uh, some Zah. It, it is. It is still there. It's also two things we have. If we don't do this today, we will do this tomorrow. Uh, someone sent us. I need to find out who. Because I appreciate him. Jeremy, thank you. Listener Jeremy sent us Hoosier Hysterics went and they cut up a bunch of just Kurt Signetti being Kurt Signetti, basically. And so we WWE have a, promoter yeah, yeah. Kurt Signetti. So we have a couple things that we'll dive into. The other thing, since we are in our sports radio bunker, which I love here on level four uh downtown, uh it's supposed to flurry in about the next 25, 30 minutes or so. Really? Just so everyone knows, there's a 95% of flurries hitting the Indy Metro Snow area. squall? Is that the new thing I'm, I'm hearing? Yeah, so... Uh, it's one of those days. God, that, it's gonna be fifty degrees today. I know that we're gonna that we were gonna walk out, and it's like, what the hell? What the hell happened in the last three hours? It's snowing, so there you go. No Mark, concept of what's going on. We have this Kurt Signetti clip. Yes, is this the short and sweet one? This is the short and sweet one. So this is Kurt Signetti yesterday, and I believe. Uh, do we know the context of the question? Like, no, it's all mashed up. So I have no it, idea. This, it's all mashed up. We have no idea. Yeah, Kurt Signetti yesterday. Pretty simple. I win. Google me. There you go. One more time, Mark. <laughs> I mean, it's simple. I win. Google me. Oh, the pause. The pause is what makes <laughs> that great sound. Google me. And he's looking straight into the Zoom. <laughs> Again, <laughs> you know, you can look at it one of two ways. It is an injection of the most confident human, maybe on the face of the planet, that is needed for the laughing stock program of college football history, or it's the most delusional uh, comments you could ever imagine for someone that is undertaking the Indiana University football job. The, the problem is, I like him. Oh, but I, it I love is, the comments. But. but it's delusional, and I like him. And he did admit I, I he was on with Jake and Jimmy yesterday or earlier this week. I was listening to it. He did admit that you know in the off season he likes to blow a little smoke. So I think part of it is you know he he, he gets the promoter aspect to it, but <laughs> God, what I mean, there's going to be a game if they go and they win or they upset somebody and and Indiana doesn't like the fans don't show up. He's going to call the fans out. At some point, like yo, I, we're doing we're well, doing our thing. Why don't you guys show he's up? He's bringing the tailgate inside of the well. stadium. I don't necessarily know. Um, all right, thank you to our crew today: James Boyd, Scott Agnes, Josh Kendall. All of that will be up on the podcast tomorrow. Football Friday. We'll recap Pacers and Grizzlies, IU Purdue, and preview Colts and Falcons.